Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Desktopprods.com comic book podcast. As always, I'm dead. I'm jumping today. We have Birdie. Hey. And Nico. Remember me? <laughs> he still exists. I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> yeah. So, um, hopefully, this episode doesn't have any problems because my roommates are outside playing licensed music very loudly. Right um, with my microphone being how it is and everything, I should not pick it up. And with my pro- with my post processing, I should be able to remove background stuff like that. But there's always the potential that something may get in there, and then SoundCloud's incredibly harsh robots will yeah. <laughs> shut it down, give us a strike, maybe fuck over our cha- maybe fuck over our SoundCloud channel to the point where everything's horribly horribly fucked, and we're doomed to failure because I don't have any way to download and re-upload over 960 tracks. So let's hope that doesn't happen. Yeah, here's open. <laughs> this is why I don't like living with people. <laughs> if I can afford my own place or just like find a way to just like completely soundproof this thing, just like get a bunch of eggshell cartons and then fill them up with fucking styrofoam or whatever. I knew one guy when I was younger actually did that to his room. <laughs> it <sighs> works. <laughs> Somewhat. <laughs> No, or, or just go to like one of those Microsoft buildings that have like the fucking the quietest room in the world that nobody could stay in for more than 45 seconds because they start hearing their own body. <laughs> just those acoustic chambers where. It, oh. I always wanted to try one of those, but I'm, I'm almost terrified I'll step inside, they'll close the door, and then I'll immediately shit myself and start having seizures. Yeah, that wouldn't be good. No, <laughs> not. But anyway, while we are here. Um, so Nico, yes, last, last week you, last episode, you were unfortunately not here because I'm an idiot. <laughs> as long as you make that clear. <laughs> yep. And because of that, okay. you missed out on our discussion of Batman 50, the big thing that Tom King's entire run was leading up to the culmination yes. of the last few fucking months of Months of like Batman stories and tie-ins and all kinds of other shit. Mm. What are your thoughts on it? So, uh, as Birdie also mentioned on the last episode, <laughs> he was expecting me to come in here and, like usual, defend Tom King because out of the three of uh, three of us, I'm probably the biggest Tom King apologist in the in in terms of how great I've been thinking his work output has been. Uh, uh, but, uh, nope, not going to defend this one. I actually thought it was a very poorly done issue. Yay. I like uh, just going off a couple of points that I recall you guys ch- talking about because I was nodding my head to a lot of the things while listening to your guys' conversation. I agreed um, I, with the fact that uh, whether or not it may have been an editorial move, I'm not sure because out of – this whole run, this is one of the weakest. It, like I, Again, I didn't think they were actually, if they did get married, it was going to stick or that it was not going to have a way of finding its way out of it. But yeah, obviously. the fact that, yeah, I wasn't upset by what happened. I was more upset that it just was not that great of an issue in comparison to everything that happened in the run so far. And it just felt 
like the whole inner monologuing within letters between the two fucking characters with pinups by uh, different artists that have drawn Batman over time just felt like a real big fucking cop out. Like I just, I just thought, I just thought better of him, and I felt that was just like he phoned it in big time, or that he really, um, like you know, or it was an editorial move, and he but he wasn't feeling it, and he just fucking was like, fuck it, like we're just gonna find a way to extend this, because because he, he went a lot of shit. Shitstorm came after they released that issue with these stupid fucking comic book fans who got pissed off at the result of this issue, but more so over the fact that they didn't actually get married. And he got death threats, you know, this whole fucking thing that happens, right? Like, it was ridiculous. Like, I don't think anybody deserves death threats. No, no it's, how no, death like, threats uh, are... I just, I, I, I wasn't going to threaten him. I was just going to say, this was a stupid move. Yeah, King. yeah I was going to say, this is, I, I was going to... You should have learned from Joe Casada not to do this. Yeah, I was going to go to him and go like, hey, this is a stupid move, and slide a piece of paper that just says, who's threatening you to do this? <laughs> Just trying to get some under yeah, the table stuff just, and write an article saying like an unnamed source within DC comics has stated. Yeah. Cause that's the, that's the other bad thing about this. Like if this, these threats shouldn't go to the art writer, they should go to like these threats the shouldn't go anywhere. Who, yeah. They shouldn't exist, but if they're going to exist somewhere, they should, cause they never go to the people who ultimately make these decisions. Yeah. They always get the, they always get to go to the guy who's like forced to do it. And that's, yeah, like, like with a character as big as Batman, you get a certain amount of freedom, but you are, our, but you still have to toe the company line. Like Tom King is able to kind of do whatever he wants with Mr. Miracle because no one gives a fuck about Mr. Miracle. Mm. But with yeah, Batman, exactly. it's Batman. Well, here's the thing. And that's, that's the only thing I wanted to come on here and defend is that, yes, I also agree. It could have somewhat been an editorial thing, but I still don't think that changes the fact that the issue wasn't that good. I think he could have done a lot better job of writing the actual issue. Like, I think he could have came up with a better reason as to why they just didn't fucking want to end up meeting. Like, I, I, like I get there was a lot of things that went into this issue that was that he was setting up prior to that this issue, like the whole thing about how, you know, um, but it just seemed odd to me that Catwoman's friend, I forgot her name, the one that's from the, her past, the, the hooker, uh, uh, um, what, what's I'll her name up. again? Yeah, she, she, the fact that she just said that one thing to her that, that made her change her mind about the whole marriage when she seemed very gun like, and I Holly get it, Robinson. like, that's, yes, that, you know, the whole cold feet thing. I, I just thought it was just a very phoned-in type fucking story that he set up there, and a, a lame excuse to get a bunch of, like, pin-up artists to, like, come in and, like, he had good artists in there, don't get me wrong, but it's just, like, really, like, it felt like a very anniversary issue-ish. It felt like very, like, something like, like Bendis would do over at Marvel, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, just, just this it, big pomp and circumstance it, thing that ends up having no substance. Yeah, and 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 I did. I even listened to a very informative podcast that he was actually on after this whole shitstorm. The issue came out, and he tried justifying some of the things that he he decided to do, and how the whole thing about oh, I, my whole run is a hundred issues. There's a whole other fucking story coming, whatever. It just it, I was so disappointed about the actual structure of the issue that when it got to the end and their whole big fucking reveal that Bane has been setting this up to break the Batman once again it's going he on has a plan the yeah. plan is great <laughs> yeah his fucking plan oh Jesus Christ fucking he, god he, he, damn it he, he, I didn't know Bane I, pulled his playbook from Mephisto. <laughs> 
Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, like, th- like what they should have done is they should have just fucking had him get married, wait a fucking year before Tom King is like, I cannot, I literally cannot think of anything to write about a married Batman. It is so lacking any kind of potential. And then just sells marriage to Satan. Mm-hmm. Just fucking Lucifer <laughs> Morningstar shows up, says, hey, I'll take your marriage, but for the price, but, uh, and like, I'll give you a fucking, I don't know, monster dick or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> But, but I'll the, make Jason you know, Todd not some edgy shit lord. Uh, like, because some of the things he also said in the podcast were things like mentioning that all the tie-in issues he really, you know, how like Snyder, whenever there used to be like these death in the family, like when all the bat books used to have crossovers of yeah. this event. He, he Snyder back then when he used to do it, he talked about this. Like he used to plot all of those storylines for those people and work with them. Though oh. Tom King openly said on this podcast, he wanted nothing to do with those tie-ins because there wasn't many like other stories he wanted to be sleeve and tell with this idea, like in the in tie-ins. Like so, like things like that. When he starts saying things like that, and the fact that he he wanted to help Joelle Jones with those issues. Remember those issues that she came in and drew. Like now, ten or fifteen issues ago, she drew a couple of issues. Yeah, it was, it was that, during the uh, League of Assassins art part yes, of their engagement. That's right, when Talia and and Catwoman uh, faced off against each other. He even talked about on the podcast about how um, that was a basically for him to bring her on the Bat Book, so they would actually bring her in and actually let her have her own book. So it seemed like even the Catwoman thing was already decided. You know, I mean, like a year in advance of this actually happening, obviously, because it, it did take place, Catwoman, right after this whole wedding issue. It just, I don't know, it just felt like lazy writing. I don't think it was, it was probably one of his poorest issues in his run altogether. I will defend him in the facts of saying possibly editorial fucked around like they normally do, and this could have been maybe a better story. Yeah, like, like if, I, like, I, I'm, I'm, what I'm assuming it was, was a similar kind of thing to what happened with Batwoman. Right. Because, for those who remember, uh, in the uh, in the original New Fifty Two run of Batwoman with J. H. Williams the Third and other guy whose I whose name I always forget. Uh oh, uh, Marco and Draco or some Mark and Draco. No, no it is it is some other thing. Um, let me just see if I can find out that guy's I, name. I think that's who took over after J. H. Williams left for a few issues before it got canceled. Uh huh. But it was there was a J. H. Williams the Third and then. He was working with another guy. Mm. W. Hayden Blackman. That was it. Ah, yes. The persona Electra. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So the two of them were working on this book together. Uh, Williams was co Williams was drawing it and co-writing it with Blackman. They were really great. They were doing a really great job with it. It was a really interesting book. Um, Williams had his traditionally weird panel layouts that kind of led it, that kind of tied into the whole like supernatural aspect of the character. And they were starting to, and they were like going down the route of, Hey, Batwoman's going to marry Maggie Sawyer. Yeah. And And, I just noticed that, um, it's a a somewhat weird F you to DC from the internet on uh, Batwoman's Wikipedia page. The first thing listed under significant other is Maggie Sawyer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah and so she was i tell you they were setting that up they were going along with that and it was actually going really well I was looking forward to those issues um, and seeing the resolution of that and then they got fired yeah they don't like yeah they don't like Bat 
people being married. Yeah, like yeah. you said that. Right? And, they, yeah. and they did the same thing with Nightwing. They fucking introduced <clears throat> Sean, oh, yeah. got that relationship going, that. and then butt-fucked <clears throat> that super hard and turned her back into a villain. Mm-hmm. Working well, for the fucking well, pigeon. <clears throat> well, that's the thing. This this particular issue for me, like, I'm going to continue reading. That didn't ruin the fucking run for me, but it was definitely, and I enjoyed the whole journey leading up to this. Those issues with him and Superman and Catwoman and Lois were fantastic. Oh, no, th- like, those there, was, like, th- there was a like, lot of fantastic like, shit in this run. Yeah. It's yeah. just, yeah, like, I can't the, the, go back and read those issues. Those I can't Sorry, go back. Go ahead, Bertie. <laughs> go ahead, Bertie. The reason a lot of those moments were fantastic, Nico, was because of the dynamic that had been set up with Selena and Bruce. Sure. And even if the the weird Booster Gold arc was in some way like foreshadowing that yes. this was how things would end, he talked about that as well. Yeah. This still feels <clears throat> incredibly yeah. lazy. Oh yeah, I'm not yeah. defending it. Yeah, I'm, this, I'm just this saying. Feels... I think it's it's probably the weakest part of his run. Like, I've enjoyed the journey. Not the destination. So I, yeah, I knew that was going to be the it case. Feels, it mean, feels like, like it feels like a couple of weeks or whatever before he brought Joel Jones in and they decided yeah. on a Catwoman book. He had written he had all written out, he had all written out the whole <laughs> plan, and then Editorial was like, Hey, um, fuck this. And so they had so they had to fucking scrap the back half of the goddamn story. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, no, it was just a shitty issue. Yeah. Like I said last time, the only th- the good thing that came out of it is that at least the Joel Jones Catwoman book is at least decent so far. It's okay. I mean, yeah, I, and yeah, yeah. I wanted to say about that too. I, I mean, we've talked about Joel Jones on here before. Uh, yeah, yeah. Killer and everything. Yeah, we're all big fans. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, big fan. Love her art. Uh, I thought the story was okay so far. It's only one issue in though. Uh, it's not yeah. like the strongest open I thought, but it was not badly written. I just thought it was just like a slope and, you know, it's it's an awkward weird story structure to go with this kind of thing. I was a little confused half the time and then obviously when you get to the end it made me a little bit, but I was like, oh really? Like, you know what I mean? I was a little bit like, I was like, really? Like, what's up with all the cat women here? Yeah, and then it's also still uh, coming off like the second after the fucking fuck you of Batman 50. But, but, I mean, without it doesn't even have to be said. The art, <clears throat> man, that, that's a good looking. Oh book. no, it, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. that would that was never in question. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. I, I, I thought I thought it was okay though. But yeah, the, 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 to, I'm sorry to disappoint, Bertie. But yeah, I'm not going to defend this one. I, uh, I think it was a badly executed issue, um, and that's what I was more upset about. Not the fact that they didn't get married. Everyone, like people out there that were upset about that, like this is comics. Like, have you obviously? No, like, I mean, them. even in the last <laughs> episode of Dead Man, I said no. This there was no way this relationship was ever going to last. Sure. Yeah, it was doomed. They, it was they, they were going to fucking sell it to Satan but in a like, matter of months. <laughs> The lamest yeah. cliche is leaving someone at the altar. So yeah. And the lamest reason for Batman is you run on hurt. And if I am around, you won't hurt no more. Like there was that whole part where he's talking about her. They're talking about each other's fucking eyes. Like I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I was like, what is it was this? a motif. <laughs> I did not like it. I was like, oh man. Yeah. I'm like, uh, I'm like with fucking Batman. The first thing you see is not the eyes. The first thing you see is the jawline. <laughs> um, the jawline then, of a ten-year-old boy crying in an alleyway, and then Birdie was a jawline run that runs on pain. <laughs> was wondering about the uh, following two issues that have come after uh, Fifty. Uh, I think it's actually back on track. Personally, I, I, I think yeah, it's okay. uh, it's great. I've heard I've not heard any good or bad things about it. I just thought it was kind of an odd idea after this to sure. immediately go to 
what if <clears throat> Batman is committing police brutality, basically? You mean it's, being Batman? Uh, it's yeah, he's called in for jury duty and he beat the, basically the the, the wait the, Batman is called in for jury duty. No, no, Bruce yeah. Wayne is, but he Bruce, okay. Wayne, Bruce Wayne is questioned on Batman. Yeah. And, okay, and I was it's, gonna. It's, kind of, it's like Twelve Angry Men with fucking Bruce Wayne. Now, much. if Batman did go on the stand and was like questioned by the law enforcement on his methods, that would be hilarious. Yeah, but that, it wouldn't be, fit with. Yeah, that'd be great. Right, the, pro, but, like, the prosecutor just comes up. It's like it's like Mister Bat, Mister Man, Batman, if I may. <laughs> Um, but look at these images and just shows like a <laughs> cavalcade of just like broken bones and batarangs and dudes assholes and stuff. And it's like, do you think this is? Do you think this is appropriate response to what happened? And which he responds, "I'm Batman. <laughs> I'm the knight. Yeah, just, um, I'd like to plead. I'm Batman." <laughs> it's funny you say that though, because there was actually a really great scene where um, uh, they had Gordon on the stand and they actually ask him that. Uh, because they, that he meant, he has to mention that Batman analyzed um, some of the bodies that they were blaming on the Mister Freeze that he killed, and he said, uh, "Sir, like, is Batman allowed to be actually analyzing this?" And he kind of started rambling on about something else, and they're like, "They're like, sir, like, is he allowed?" And he's just like, "No, like, like he like they <laughs> fucked up." Yeah, yeah, like he no, but but it's actually an angle that I haven't actually seen before. And it's actually I'm really enjoying it to be honest. It's it's and and it's one of those things where Batman's doing the Batman thing, and I'll give Tom King credit for that because this he's done plenty of times is that he's basically taken out his rage of the wedding while not talking about the wedding at all within these first two issues out on uh, Mr. Freeze. And that's the whole reason he beat the shit out of him, got him to confess to a murder, which he may or may not have done. Like that's the story that's being told. And he's basically letting out his rage, which you've seen before with the Jason Todd and, and the, and the, and the, you know, the thing with um, what's his name, Damien, when he died, he fucking yeah. got all fucked up. Right. So yeah, he, so fu- he fucking dissected seen- Frankenstein. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, this isn't out of character, that part of it. So no, it is not, but it's a, it's a character it. that we've seen before multiple times, and it is the laziest route to go. And it also kind of immediately undercuts what Catwoman was going for a, a bit. Like, oh, you're like he's an engine that runs on pain. Without that pain, then Batman won't exist. But mm-hmm. then you ramp that pain up, and oh, he is, like, torturing like people and, yeah. like, way worse than he usually is. Mm. Yeah, well, I'll defend him for the next two issues, but I'll shit talk him for that fifty issue. <laughs> so there you have it. Yep, <laughs> that's that's my verdict on the whole the whole wedding. Um, but yeah, I I just and I also just thought the Bane thing fell flat. I think that would have been a, a better reveal if it wasn't directly after everything that happened. In that it would be a better reveal if it wasn't a fucking reveal. Because who gives a fuck? Like, why in yeah. the goddamn? What? Also, what was weird about it was um, it seemed that uh, Earth Two, his father, was there, like from the uh, uh, the Thomas Wayne was uh, was there, Batman. <sighs> that was that's odd. This whole fucking thing's odd and stupid. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Speaking of odd and stupid. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's move on to Doomsday Clock. What the fuck is this? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but this, uh, to be honest, I actually enjoy this issue a lot. But I, th- I just don't know what he's doing here. So I have no. <laughs> what happened in issue five again? Because I forget. Uh, like, I, like, I, like I, 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 I knew. Like going into it, I read issue six today, so it's fairly fresh in my yeah. mind. But 
when I was going to go read it, I'm like, all right, right, going on issue six, picking up where we left off when dot, dot, dot. Fuck. And I just yeah, couldn't issue- remember anything that happened in issue in issue five. I'm I'm right there with you. I can't remember either. I think that is that the issue where it's some was that the moth issue with him uh, talking about him in the prison and escaping, or uh, was it? Maybe. I think that may have been one of the issues that bounced around quite a bit. Yeah, um, I because because I think they dealt with some of. Um, Ozymandias' brain tumor thing, uh, and then I think they dealt a little bit with Batman. Yeah, but well, now this now this book is just about the marionette and uh, yeah, my marionette. Mime, though. Just I mean, for whatever reason, right? The the thing the thing to introduce the Watchmen into the DC universe to bring about Doctor Manhattan and finish up the fucking end and like actually wrap up a loose thread or whatever from New Fifty Two is now just about these two fucking nerds. That's what I'm saying. I still don't know what this is. I mean, we're halfway through this this series right now. This is the sixth issue out of the twelve, and it's basically just become a. It seems like a yeah, my marionette book with Batman sprinkled in. Yeah, and <laughs> like, they they like, feel <laughs> they feel almost like with the way that with the way that some villains talk about them in this in this fucking issue, it almost feels like they're becoming like Mary Sue characters. Okay. Because just the way the Joker latched onto them, mm-hmm. it it didn't feel real. It didn't feel natural for the Joker. Like this wasn't like a fuck. What what was the well in the Brian Azzarello Joker book? There was a gangster that he followed. Yeah, uh, it was uh, Croc, wasn't it? No, no, Croc? it wasn't Croc. It was it was just a dude. It was just a dude that was like a low level gang. Oh. That was like a low level gang banger. Yeah. That then the Joker just kind of picked up. Yeah, that he that he met, and then he went to the bar, and that's where Croc and everybody was. Yeah, yeah, um, it, yeah I know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, like like with that, that felt a bit more natural. Of just on on a whim, the Joker just picked a dude and made him his right hand, and then forgot about him just as quickly as he fucking died in the in, he died in the sewer or whatever. Mm. But with this, the Joker is seeing them, seeing what they do, and then going, "Yes, I like you. Please hang out with me." Like actively seeking these two out, mm-hmm. and they are of this fucking level of just like stone cold murder that no one else really is. Yeah, they're pretty deadly. These two, and then basically this issue is a introduction to their past and the trauma they endured as children that basically made them as fucked up as they are today. Yeah, and and so I liked that, which is fuck cops I- basically. Listen, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Their backstory is fuck cops. I, I liked this issue, though. I thought no, this like, was a good that's issue. the thing. These two as characters, I think, are fine. Yeah. It's just like, what is, what is this series? Yeah, like, like, like Marionette yeah. is, like, Marionette <laughs> is a really fun, she's like a, she's like a more stable Harley Quinn and like more, like, centered yeah, that's a good explanation. Yeah. Well, like, like she's not really bouncing back and forth between like, oh, I'm gonna do hardcore murder stuff and like I'm a fucking weird whatever, but also I'm fucking lovable. I got a beaver. Right. She <laughs> is I have my lane. Let's fucking go. And then Mime as himself, I having having Mime be her partner is 
interesting. They have a they have a, they have an interesting dynamic with each other, and I like that relationship. It is it's almost it's almost like what people think the relationship between Harley Quinn and Joker is. Like there are some people out there who for who for whatever reason think that the two of them actually have a for real relationship, and it's not just the Joker has her around as a tool. Mm-hmm. And that kind of feels like what this is of just these two, these two gangsters with their fucking gimmick as, as they just kind of like fuck and be together out there in the crime world. And they're a lot of fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. We've, we've always said that throughout this. And then it was also, it was also kind of funny just seeing the Gotham villains react to the comedian. I love the Gotham villain scenes because the way Gary Frank actually drew all of these characters, oh man, the great fucking old school Riddler costume. Oh yeah, the old great. school Riddler costume, the fucking, uh, the fucking, um, with the question marks. It looks yeah. like it, the, the, uh, the Mr. Freeze thugs. Oh, the Captain Cold, old school Captain Cold. I, 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 yeah, I love it. Yeah, it all looked great. Panel. And then just seeing the comedian come in with just a fucking pistol and take half of them out. Yeah. Which was kind of great. Cause like, because like these guys, they're so used to just fucking the Batman or whatever. They don't yeah. have a they don't have an answer just to fucking Glock. Yeah, because one of the best scenes is that um, mine pops up in his is uh, eyesight, and then uh, he almost it looks like shoots Cheetah, and then he's like, "What the fuck?" Oh, not Cheetah, uh, Giganta woman. Yeah, Giganta, and then he's like, "What the fuck?" Like, because he like she gets yeah. in the way of his eyesight, and then she just then he then he goes flying, and he's like, "Well." Shit, here we go. Yeah, like, they're just you know, grenades out. Yeah, like I'm in the I'm I'm in the thick of it. And like without even reacting about the about there's like 20 villains around him. He shoots uh, Mr. Freeze right in the fucking his glass. Uh shoots Riddler in the kneecap. Like Yeah, like, yeah, is yeah R- awesome. Riddler is just like in the middle of a riddle me this is like riddle me. Oh fuck my knee. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great scene. Great yeah, scene. it's just this is this is really good culture clash between the uh between like the Watchmen universe and DC universe. Because mm-hmm. just in Watchmen uh, I don't in Watchmen there is like, one superpower this... in Watchmen there is one superpower. So seeing all these other weird assholes Yeah j- just kind of throw them for a second. But then they're just not used to dudes with Hector guns. Hammond was there for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but they're just not used to a guy with a gun. <laughs> yeah, um, it was a nice fun little bit and then yeah captain boomerang yeah ca- yeah captain boomerang <laughs> just like yeah that shit's fucking nothing man suicide going down there i fucking bounced you know that was just an excuse for john's to write the rogues again in this yeah. though you know and then yeah. fucking savannah was there just like hey you dumb yeah. bitch you went there to kill yeah. him yeah i don't know and, and 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 yeah and then you basically find out the backstory of um uh, Mary Annette is uh, her father. I guess used to make uh, puppets. Like, yeah, he, the yeah, they were they were immigrants. <laughs> yeah, they were immigrants. Um, in like the nineteen fifties or six, like in the nineteen fifties or forties or something. And yeah, he, and, he, and he had like a he had like a puppet shop or whatever. And then across the street was a I think like a jewelry shop. Yeah, or something. And yeah, so then they just kind of then the two kids started hanging out. Talking whatever, uh, both of them were very violent and protective of each other. Mm. And then the cops started coming around um, because they need to pay protection money because it was the forties or fifties. Say what you will, say what you will about cops now. Cops back then in major metropolitan cities where things were shitty were terrible. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, then Mime's dad, then, sorry. Yeah, Mime's mom had a had an accident. Yeah. As they called it. And then Marionette's she dad. Fell down uh, elevator shaft onto some bullets. Uh, no, fell down the stairs onto some bullets. Ah, oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. Very accident prone woman. Fell on the bullets left and right. Yeah. Then uh, then she dropped her umbrella and it stabbed her through the throat. Ah, <laughs> uh, that damn curse. You just should. If they hadn't fucking talked to that eye patched bitch. Now that I think about it, this is a scene that came right out of Great Mouse Detective. <laughs> Almost. Almost. Uh, yeah, just, just replace the accents with just replace like the horrible <laughs> Cockney accent with horrible New York accent. <laughs> because it was like the same thing. Like he he told her to hide to protect her from what was about to go down. You know, he gets he he basically gets fucking like. Oh, he hangs himself, it looks like. Yeah, yeah. He, he gets the shit yeah. beat out of him in front of his daughter, yeah. and then yeah. he hangs himself later. Yeah, it's really fucking grim. Yeah. Like, and, and then the cops come along, and it's like, hey, look, hey, look this fucking asshole fucking hung himself. What a fucking dickbag. So then the daughter grabs Which, a pair of scissors and slits one of their throats, and then Mime comes out of nowhere and bites one of their hands yeah. off. Yeah, kind of like I, with the irony of, uh, you know, he hung himself like a puppet, kind of. <laughs> Comedy. Yeah. You know, Watchmen. <laughs> so that was kind of fitting, I thought, that whole story. I was like, yeah, yeah and like, Mind the Marionette are actually becoming more and more like fitting for Watchmen to me. Yeah. Like, but it, why it, is this book so centered? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I'm, unless it gets to the, unless it gets, to, I, unless it gets to the end and we actually learn that Dr. Manhattan is somehow their kid. Like, like half the issues we haven't praised, but half of them I have enjoyed. But six issues in, I still don't know what the fuck this is because we're focused on two characters, which I don't know why it's focused on. We've barely seen anything of Superman or Ozymandias or why or, or why or what's his name, Doctor Fucking Manhattan, which I thought was the whole point of this. Yeah, like we, we've seen his text bubble <laughs> twice. Yeah. So and so that's the frustrating part. I don't know. That's, yeah, and it, what I'm assuming is going to be is we're going to get to the end of it and we're going to and we're going to learn. Like, like it's like the reason why we're focusing on these guys so much. I'm assuming is because their kid is important. Yeah. And so what I'm assuming it's going to be is we get to the end of it. Doctor Manhattan does like, hey, yeah, I made your universe, fucking whatever, assholes. There we go. Things are fixed. And by the way, here's your child. He's a superhero now. And then that guy's going to be, and that guy's going to get his own fucking solo series that will last for three issues and get canceled. So let me ask you something. Is it our fault for maybe expecting something of them actually to tell a story of what we thought they were going to? No. And okay, that's well. That's why I, I just wanted to. I wanted. That's why I wanted to ask you because I don't know. I don't think it's my fault for or for no, thinking I, that this is going to be something. Like, here, here's the thing. So I was expecting this to be horrid dog shit, like fucking before Watchmen. There's some. There's a lot of quality. Yeah, I yeah think, it so far has not been yeah. that. Yeah, but yeah, it is not our fault. It like. Like I'm, I'm not even sure what the que- I'm not even sure what the fucking question is, but it is not our fault that this book is not living up to our expectations because we expect it to tell a full story. My que- the question was: Is it our fault for thinking that it was going to be based the whole thing on that whole Ma- Doctor Manhattan? Because we were led to believe that, and and basically that's like we were saying before: like this is comics. Maybe we shouldn't have just assumed that that was going to be the case. For, you know well, what I mean? What like, other fucking option do we have? Like every single yeah. bit of lead up, every single bit of imagery in the covers and everything has been <clears throat> Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. 
No, okay. It, was, it wasn't until just, it wasn't until yeah. like fucking issue three that the shift that the focus shifted to fucking Mime and Marionette. Mm-hmm. Okay, as long as we're on the same page there, because I was fully expecting this to be not this. Oh no, I, yeah, I, I don't, like I, the, I don't know what this is. Doomsday Clock <laughs> was sold to me and sold to all of us as the quest for Doctor Manhattan. Yeah. Every character introduced that we are following as a, as a protagonist in the story has been searching for Dr. Manhattan. And every antagonist that we've been following so far has been impeding that progress mm. in one way or another. And then my Marionette are there. Yeah. For and, reasons. Then, and, then, and then the issue ends with uh, Joker interrupting their banging. <laughs> well, to be fair, they'd finished. Post-coital. Yeah. Well, to be fair, <laughs> they'd just it. finished, and also yeah. the comedian interrupted them. Then the Joker interrupted the comedian. <laughs> and then he, he basically buzzer-gagged him. <laughs> yeah, hand, yeah he's, he's at the comedian, and then is like, I like you guys. Your dick looks cool. Let's hang out. <laughs> I just like the last panel as they're just standing there naked in front of him, and Joker's just like, hey, let's go, guys. <laughs> Yeah, let's fucking wow. bounce. You guys want some? You guys want some shawarma? <laughs> so yeah, I like this issue. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I'm still. This book is all over the fucking place. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's Where the hard, fuck is Johnny hard. Thunder? I honestly think like every other issue we've somewhat enjoyed, and every other I mean, no, we haven't. <laughs> yeah, like I. I just want fucking answers, man. Like yeah. everything is so fucking vague and bullshitty about what the fuck's happening. Like what the, f- they still haven't explained at all or even fucking gone into what the fuck the goddamn fucking, uh, the fucking Superman theory is or why yeah. it's important. They actually talked about it briefly in this issue, too. Um, that's yeah, jo- yeah Joker's like, hey, Luther's all fucking freaking out about the Superman theory or whatever. Fuck that noise. Yeah. Let's hang I, out. I think, I think he's basically using the Superman theory as basically the Cold War of this series. You know what I mean? How, like, in the Watchmen, it was kind of looming overhead of them the whole time. Yeah, like, well, But then no, in this... But, but there's a difference there. With the Cold yeah. War, we understand what that is. The clock... It, yeah. The hand moves one minute... The hand moves to five minutes to midnight... That is a very clear indication and a very clear message of things are going to fuck. Mm. With this, they introduced the Superman theory as as an explanation as to why 95% of the world's superhumans end up in America. Mm. And there's no explanation. No explanation as to why that's important. No explanation as to how that happened. No explanation what the Superman theory even fucking is. And no explanation as to why we should care about it. They also actually name dropped Sanctuary in this, which is that upcoming mini series that uh, Tom King's doing this, the Crisis one. Oh, we're getting uh, another fucking Crisis. Yeah, he's doing one in September, which is, is going to be Is this the based. Walmart series? No. Um, in September, there's a series, like seven issue series he's doing, which is uh, Heroes in Crisis, which is um, there's going to be a place set up um, called uh, Sanctuary in the DC Universe, which is basically to deal with uh, superheroes PTSD. Which I don't know if that's the best idea or not, but I think... It's I an think idea. Ever, it, it's never been done. I thought it was a very interesting thing that I was surprised hasn't been done before. And Tom King, because he helped with the in, in the war, uh, 
it's one of those things where or he worked for the CIA. It's something that he's somewhat familiar with, I think. So um, he, as he's talked about it in the past, so uh, it should, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, but I just think it's, I don't know if it's the best type of story for superheroes, but it seems like a clever thing that maybe has never been explored. Yeah. Because obviously these guys do a lot of fucking things that would fuck you up. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah like, they the do and see some dirt. <laughs> so anyways, that was name dropped in this issue at some point. So I don't know what that means and how that's relevant. Because I don't even know when this is taking place still, Doomsday Clock. Like, I, I, it's obviously <laughs> post-rebirth, but it's, where... It's the vague, I mean? not-too-distant future. Yeah. So anyways. Yeah. So anyway, Birdie. Doomsday Clock, yeah. <laughs> moving in, moving into the regular show. Your first book, Birdie. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I was kind of debating which um, specific weird uh, DC Dark Horse crossover to do, but since you guys are talking about a uh, series of weird, overplotted things that don't make much sense, let's talk <laughs> about let's talk about something that's not plotted at all, doesn't make much sense, and is a lot of fun. Because of all the things for Superman to cross over with Dead Man, you don't expect Mike Allred's Mad Men. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, the Hullabaloo one. <laughs> yes. So. Well, that's a swerve. <laughs> so, in the mother of all weird coincidences, um,. Star Labs and the mad scientist that brought uh, John, uh, I can't remember his name, I'll stop my madman back to life in his book, are working on the same interstellar spatial teleportation experiment at the same time. <laughs> Isn't so his name Frankenstein? Isn't his name Frank? Frankenstein or yeah, something Frank. like that? Yes, I, yeah. I forgot about that part. But like, and a teleporter, this, the, the two, um, things go off simultaneously and the result is Superman and Frank switching universes, but with parts of them messed up. So they combined a switcheroo with the fly. Okay. (laughs) So we have Superman talking like Superman, looking like a neon dressed Frankenstein character with a cape. And then we have Frank, um, amazed uh, at how hot he is, uh, with a strip of cloth to suggest who he used to be over his eyes. And not all of Superman's powers, because to add to the weirdness, um, Mixel Spitlick showed up. (laughs) Yeah, sure. (laughs) That that makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Then. yeah sure you know spending <laughs> just sure and shit happens so what is madman i have seen this around and i've been meaning to look into it but i've never actually bit the bullet okay so mike i think i've actually talked about this on the show and if you just don't remember mm-hmm. uh Mike Allred's Madman is a series about a guy named Frank who died and supposedly met his creator, uh, whatever that is, and was brought back to life by a mad scientist named Dr. Flynn. Okay. 
from there on, uh, people who knew Frank when he's alive try to reconnect with him, including his ex-girlfriend, who is still down to bone Frankenstein. Because, sure. Yeah, totally. Uh, he lives in a town filled with mutant beatniks. Okay. <laughs> and um, people from other planets come here in their own words because, well, yeah, my other planet exists, but I'm here, aren't I? Yeah. Everything I saw of this, just like from pictures and stuff, made it look like Mike Allred made Freakazoid. Yeah, that's that's yeah. not that's not because he has. I mean, he has Freakazoid has more powers than Madman. Does he? But, um, yeah, yeah. What, what the fuck? This he has is all like the powers pure, of the internet. Pure indie Mike Allred. This series, yeah. though, like this is like prior to him. I guess uh, you know being. The, you know, Mike Allred, like, yeah. to what we know today. I mean, like, as, as since you have seen Mike and Laura Allred's artwork, it's like if Freakazoid was drawn by Andy Warhol and written by the writer of Naked Lunch while he was on one of his more creative binges. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like a nightmare. It's weird and makes no sense. I, which I is why it's funny when... Uh, Frank and Superman swap places, and the one and Superman in his Superman voice just keeps wandering around trying to get everyone to act the way he's used to people acting, and no one will. <laughs> to the point where, when he, when later on, of course, uh, Superman and Frank get their parts unmixed, and but still, but some of Superman's parts get lost in Frank's universe, so they have to. Dimension warp into Frank's universe to find them. When the mutant beatniks show up trying to beat up Superman, he's like, Citizens, please, there is no need for violence. At which point they're like, uh, We want to, do you dig? And he's like, But that's unnecessary. Word, Daddy O. <laughs> Basically, there, there's a guy hanging from a lamppost after he's thrown into the end of the in, into the sky who said who basically said, Word, Daddy O. Just doing fucking poetry snaps every time Superman lands a punch. Kind of, yeah. I was like, oh man, that sounds poetry. It's a commentary on the violence in modern society, bruh. <laughs> yeah. And there's other jokes like um, uh, when Frank tries to fly like Superman when he still has more of Superman's powers and he can only just jump really high. Uh, like old he's Superman. Carrying Lois- hmm? Like old Superman. Yeah. And, but he's trying to carry Lois Lane at the same time, and he makes his comment, oh, I guess it, it, maybe neither of us were this heavy before. And he's like, what do you mean we weren't this heavy? <laughs> like, oh. I'm not going to lie. When you said when he tries to follow Exit Man, I expected you to say he just held his arms out and ran forward going, you know, so full Frankenstein, full Freakazoid. <laughs> yeah, just going full Freakazoid. That fight candle jack. Yeah. Although there was a very freakazoid moment because uh, Mixel Spitlick agree- only agrees to go away if Frank beats him at a game and he chooses Twister. <laughs> oh, God. Now I'm just. <laughs> Remember that? You guys ever see Son of the Mask? Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Remember that Twister scene? <laughs> yeah. Just Mike Allred drawing <sighs> fucking Eldritch Horrors. 
Yeah, well, they don't do that because uh, before the game starts, Superman makes Mixel Spitlick agree not to use magic. Hmm. D- What's he going to do then? He's from the fifth dimension. <laughs> they have technology. Yeah, well, he's also dumb. For being a fifth dimensional being, he's very dumb. <laughs> like, Mixus like has never been magic, I don't think. Like, it's like, yeah, they are, like, people might have described, like, fucking fifth dimensional shit as magic, but as it is, it's just science. It's just fifth, it's just 5D yeah, science. Yeah, I know, but, like, the series, like, uh, when Mixel Spitlick is introduced to them, like, this is the funniest part to me, when the mad scientist who created Frankenstein says, look, I have to buy a lot of weird shit already in this universe. You really expect me to just throw science out the window and say magic is a thing? <laughs> And Dr. Hamilton from Star Labs is like, look, I don't like it any better than you, but I've dealt with literal gods and goddesses. I kind of have to roll. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah, I don't. Eventually, I'll need to see what Madman is for myself. Yes, you will probably. I just. I I read a bit of Madman. I didn't think it was terribly well written. I mean, Sorry, it's interesting. It's more interesting than good. Art, I, uh, yeah, I mean, it's all red, so I enjoy yeah. it for the art. I just, yeah, interesting is good, good word for it. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing that I took away from it, this one was the weird scene where Frank and Superman discuss whether or not they believe in if there's a god. Yeah, that's cool. That's that's interesting. Because Frank comes from this perspective of I've died. I feel like I remember touching the hand of something that has to have been the creator. I didn't just like turn to mush and everything went black. So what does that mean exactly? And Superman's like, my world's too weird for there not to be a God. Hmm. That's an interesting thing to discuss through comics. It doesn't happen very often, especially within superhero comics. That's yeah. that's yeah. That's interesting. And trust me, as dumb and weird as some of this element, because it was, this is just like a, a weird one-off romp. No, nothing plot-related, sure. nothing too insulting. And considering some of the stuff DC and Dark Horse did during this period, yeah, <laughs> this is on the better end. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I finished reading a volume of Madman. I feel no real compulsion to read the other five, mm-hmm. but this was kind of in, this was sort of entertaining. Just for, this was like watching a Rick and Morty episode, starring like the Planeteers. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> well, alrighty then. Because when you have like literally like the progenitor of like standard, everyone knows this and understands this comics. With Mike Allred. Yeah. Has Mike Allred ever done like a, just a straight Superman story? No, not that I, I know of. He made, he made FF, which is weird in ways that I really need to talk about at some point. Oh, Have you ever read FF, FF was great. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> Dragon Man, that was my favorite character in that. Yeah. There, just... was that. there was that one scene where he busted through the wall and... Uh, 
forgot he like fell into like a bath or a pool or something broke. I forgot what happened. And yeah, I also I was just kind of fucking loved <laughs> that like that, like the lineup for the team was Ant Man, She Hulk, Medusa, and Johnny Storm's current girlfriend. Yeah, the pop star, a, a thing suit. Yeah, yeah, it just wore a thing suit because Dragon Man had had one lying around. <laughs> Yeah, she was a uh, was like, famous hap- pop star. What the fuck is happening yeah. here? And Dragon Man's like, hey, I might want to go borrow the thing suit and storage. <laughs> Just a heads up. Who was it? Alicia Masters that used that in the past? No, I that was who was it? Someone else used that before. I would have to check, but I, I mean, I guess Alicia Masters would make sense since she's well, kind of the, the person that the thing was yeah. most serious about, and as a relationship goes. Yeah. But. and then he went to space. It was either her or it may have even been Thing, because remember there was times when Thing was not like orange. He like yeah, he was just, yeah. He was <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no one likes to remember those. No, but it, it did happen, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, actually, Thing uh, did use that uh, because he spent too long next to the Hulk. So it was the Thing that used it. Yeah, Ben Grimm used it um, because, again, when the thing stood too close to the Hulk, he became a human. That's fucking weird. Yeah, according to the Marvel fan wiki. During a battle with the Hulk, Thing would lose his powers due to prolonged proximity to the Hulk, causing the ambient gamma radiation coming from the Hulk's body to reverse the effects of the cosmic rays that mutated Ben into the Thing many years ago. They that fought so many sense. times to those two characters. The yeah, best that's is when science. And rocks go flying. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, like uh, I'm just gonna warn you, Dead Man. I have a giant list of good and bad Dark Horse DC crossovers to work through, but I'm not gonna do more than one at a time because if not, I would overrun the show. <laughs> but trust me. I have a couple of doozies. Alrighty then. I just felt like this was appropriate as a counterpoint to um, uh, Doomsday Clock, which the overall <coughs> overarching critique of it, based on what you guys have said for me, has not changed since when I first heard you guys talking about the first episode. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Anyway, so, Nico. Uh, sorry, Brady, to double check, because I, um, it's still the X-Men or the act or action? Uh, whichever you would prefer to talk about more. Uh, okay. Um, oh, it's like choosing between a piece of Wonder Bread and some fucking a rock. <laughs> let's talk about, uh, I'll decide after that. Let's talk about Justice League Dark, number one, that just came out. Yes, yeah, so I, back when the New 52 first started... I was a big fan of Justice League Dark. It was one of the good ones. Sure. Yeah. I am also, let me preface this by saying, a huge fan of this concept for a team. I know it seems stupid, but I, I love all these characters. Just like, watch the movie. Care. No, it's, yeah. it's, it's, a good fucking, it's a good fucking idea. Like, there's so much goddamn fucking magic out there in the DCU. Might mm-hmm. as well take all those magic fuckers and put them on a team with a, with a talking monkey. Yeah, particularly when you integrate all the Vertigo stuff into the main DC universe, which was what New 52 was trying to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just for clarification, uh, who is the current lineup of 
<clears throat> Just like dark. So it's Wonder Woman, Satana. Wonder Woman's the the leader, I guess, at this point. She's the one that's rounding the team up in this one. Uh-huh. Um, Zatanna, and and the re- reason behind that, I'll get into in a moment. And like uh, to Zitana. be fair, it makes some sense. Like she's fucking magic as hell. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, other than that, I know I first because even at first me, I was like, that's an odd choice. But yes, that's true, and there's other reasons. But the other ones are st- stupid. Um, so Zatanna, uh, uh, a very Alan Moore looking Swamp Thing because he's got fucking braids now and like and, <laughs> and a big beard. <laughs> I actually like the look. Yeah. Of he, it, but... he... <laughs> Yeah, he, he um, yeah he went to he went to go yell at John Constantine and morphed into some of his weed and like the way it fell so he just kind of kept it and now he's gone Jamon. <laughs> um, Mr. Yeah, Mama got the green ivory. <laughs> Detective Chimp, uh, Man Bat, and it's yet to be seen, but it looks like Doctor Fate and Constantine are going to be part of the game. So Man Bat's the weird one there. Yeah, so but man, bad on any team makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, that's here's, yeah. Here's the great part about that, though. The person that's writing this book, James Tinian. James Tinian wrote Clayface, one of my favorite parts about Detective. So I think he's kind of basically doing almost like the Clayface thing in this book by bringing Man Bat over here. But um, there is a bit, oh, but there is a bit of a difference there because with because uh, with Clayface, it wasn't a. It was very much. Like, it was very much like a. I have a problem and I'm trying to fix it. But with Manbat, it's Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, but in this, he's at this point he is because Manbat has had different over over the years. Has been yeah, different yeah, yeah. Tapes. Unless this is a narration that goes 100 percent fully, he is Bat Person. So this one's kind of a little bit of the two. This one is basically when you first get introduced to him he's still a bat in bat form but he only has the bat head on top of a small human body it's very straight yeah so it kind of looks ridiculous a little bit like they walk into the lab at one part and yeah does, does, he, I don't know does he stroll in like fucking uh <laughs> like a like deadpool after he gets his leg cut off <laughs> he's 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 honestly about that size as wild in there it's like hi i'm kirk langstrom <laughs> Yeah, I mean his, his sleeves aren't huge, but <laughs> like he, um, but he does look like that kind of. Yeah, it's, it, his stature is very small, um, at least in the, the way the artist drew him in this, and and then he can morph into the full man bat. So he's a bat the whole time, but he's he's you know like a smart, uh, uh, not like it's kind of like when Hulk hulks out, like he he's basically doing this with the man, uh, the old Hulk. Anyways, I don't know what the fuck's going on now. But no one does. <laughs> yeah. No, um, no, nobody's read the Hulk since 2007. So he's smart. He can talk as a human. He, he has, he, you know, he's still like a scientist, but he's got an actual head. That's bad. But then if he needs to jump into action, he can just transform into the man bad. So that's basically the, this version of the character that mm. we're dealing with. I feel like I would have been way more into this. If it was, he was man bat the entire time. but was actually like their dog. Oh, oh, by the but oh, sorry. One thing I did miss though. No, I that <laughs> that'd be interesting though. I like that, like what you just said. But uh, he he does have to inject himself to become Man Bat with like the serum. Like so he so it's he, fucking Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, yeah. He has the ba- he has a bat. He says I have a batch of the classic formula before they jump into a battle in this, and he basically just injects it into his neck and then goes all Man Bat where he can't talk to them anymore. He's just like animalistic and Hell, yeah, if they wanted so. the goddamn man bat thing why not bring in goliath mm-hmm. 
Just, just, um, yeah, just, just like Damien ain't fucking spending time with him. He's too busy shooting people and being edgy. Yeah. Oh, yeah, his dog. Yeah, the Goliath. Sorry, I didn't know who you were referring to. Yeah, yeah Goliath yeah, is I, a man bat. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that was the one from his uh, solo series, right? Yeah, from his solo series. He occasionally showed up right. at Super Sons. Mm-hmm. But yeah, since yeah, but yeah, since fucking Damien watched that Titans trailer, he hasn't spent any time with him. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's another thing, Nico. What's your 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 opinion of that? Have the you Titans seen that? trailer? I've not seen it. No. Okay, we need to stop right now. <laughs> All right, <laughs> we gotta stop recording. <laughs> um, maybe not. We'll see how this goes. We will when you. When you guys start talking, I'm going to check it up uh, on my phone. I'll check it out. Okay. Yeah, just, just until we actually talk about it again, keep your vocalizations about it to a minimum because you're going to have some vocalizations. <laughs> it, will, um, it will either be screaming or laughing. Okay. All right. I'll definitely check it out. <laughs> like, like I, I will say, when the line comes up, I laughed harder than I've laughed all year. <laughs> all right. I'm looking forward to this. It was... Something else. It was transcendent. I mean, I haven't heard good things, so there's that. But uh, I haven't actually watched it. Imagine Park wrote dialogue. Uh, Sorry, Lincoln Park. Is that what you just said? Yeah. (laughs) No, come on, Lincoln Park. Like, yeah, they were fucking whatever, but they had their moments. This is fucking three. This is fucking three. Um, three days grace. Okay, that's bad. All right, let's see here. Um, (laughs) But anyway, keep talking. Yeah, so basically the um, the reason for Wonder Woman bringing this team together is, again, because of the fallout of the no justice thing that led it to Justice League. Because of that wall breaking, uh, magic now is is uh, uncontrollable within the universe. Kind so of like now it's uncontrollable. Event, things are stupid again. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. So, uh, so it opens up with Zatanna at one of her magic shows, and she loses control of one of her spells. And all this crazy shit starts coming out of her hat, attacking her and the audience. And then Wonder Woman shows up, basically saying, that, you know, she helps her take down this thing, uh, this monster that comes out of her hat. And then she basically uh, lets her know that because of that source wall shit, uh, which she was part of No Justice, she said, you know, after that happened, like, why didn't you stick around and this kind of thing? And she's like, you know, I got stuff to do. Or Tana was part of No Justice? What? When? I believe she was part of it. She mentions her being part of it in this. I believe she was. Was she not? I don't know. I've blocked out most of No Justice. Yeah. I, yeah, I, blocked, really I blocked out most of the one issue I read. Anyway, she, she was aware of No Justice. Whatever happened with the source. Oh, no, maybe it was metal. She mentions she, she was aware of what happened with the source. Well, Who anyways. the fuck cares? Yeah, doesn't matter. Anyways, so then basically this issue is your your um, your basic her trying to round up the team, get the band together type thing. And she goes to that bar that was shown in metal where everyone died. And detective chimp was the only one that was alive from that. So she goes and speaks, she goes and has a beer with detective chimp in this. Oh God. Uh, I fucking love detective chimp. Yeah. Yeah. Who was pretty awesome. Uh, they just, they're just sitting there having a drink. And then it gets to the point where she's like, well, uh, this whole team thing isn't working. Cause this is after Satana refused to join this team. Uh, Constantine runs into Zatanna and I have a big fucking problem with the Constantine scene <laughs> he shows up not in a dirty ass trench coat but a fucking nice suit fuck that what? <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, not even, I'm not even that big a fucking Constantine guy like I 
you could probably tell that because I call him Constantine and not Constantine. Yeah. But even I know that that's fucking no. Yeah. Yeah, as the day the day John Constantine gets clean, finds Jesus, and starts acting like he gives a shit, that's not John Constantine anymore. It's still a really. It's not even Keanu Reeves. Yeah, and I'm, I'm yeah. actually. I'm just. I, I'm just. If I were writing that book, the day John Constantine finds Jesus, Jesus will kick him in the dick. <laughs> it's like I just like oh, I've come oh, to pray for salvation, yeah, yeah, my lord. It. Fuck you, blap. What if the milkman did this to him? <laughs> oh God! From Milk Wars? Yeah. What if what if what if milkman? What if milkman well, did I, it? I mean, it really started off with the launch of the New Fifty Two Constantine series, which I fucking hated. Uh, they they did basically water this fucking character down. Well, yeah, yeah like they watered him down, but they didn't or, clean him up. Yeah. Like it it was he was no, the, he, he, he was, still had a trench coat. Yeah, he was the yeah he went from being an HBO series to like a fucking NBC series, or like AMC Prime Time or something. Yeah, okay, that, that that's more appropriate. Yeah, he went from fucking he went from HBO prestige television to kind of prestige television, but with like basic cable restrictions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this this so, whole so, like, scene so like you could see elements of what he was, but he wasn't allowed to smoke on air, right? I mean, for some, this may not even be an issue, but for me, as soon as I got to that page, I was like, what the fuck? I was like, <laughs> I was like, what's, what is going on here? He was smoking. He was smoking. So I'll give him that. It was but probably he, a demon. Like, yeah. Here, I'm, I'm putting the link to the, the page here up for you guys <laughs> in, the, in the chat uh, where, where they show him the suit. I was oh, really what? Who it. the fuck is that? That looks like Steve Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> like look at his his stance on the car. <laughs> yeah, that's not Constantine. <laughs> I was like, what? What the um, who the fuck is that? Um Yeah, I don't know. That just looks like a dude, bro. <laughs> Right. It, it doesn't even like it. It looks like okay. no one. I'm glad you guys agree with me because I was like, "What is this?" <laughs> That's what I see. It. I was like, this looks like he was. He's gonna telepathically rape someone or something. <laughs> yeah, it looks like that cigarette has like a dart in it that he's gonna use to like fucking inject somebody. <laughs> so yeah. Um, or yeah, or failing that, it looks like he's about to grow horns out of his fucking hair and turn into a demon. Actually, now he look kind of looks like um. Hellstorm, the son of Satan from yeah, the Damon Marvel Hellstrom. comics. <laughs> he looks like a blonde Damon Hellstrom. Yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's a good point. Well, actually, yeah, he does. <laughs> we have way more burns on this guy than I thought we did. <laughs> but, yeah. I'm proud of uh, us. Yeah, that was pretty good. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so it's it's, it's weird. It's like it's like fucking sandwiched between two images of Constantine just being him. Also, is it just me or does Zatanna's new outfit feel like it's in between her classic like yeah. show magician outfit and like the kind of dark yeah. weird shit she was wearing in the new Fifty Two? It's it's not all tits, that's for sure. It's not like the the older like, but it is. She does have a. It is definitely a mix. Like it's 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 it, it's like a best. And yeah. she uh, she doesn't have the hat on. Or actually, no, she does at the start. She has it on at the show, but she doesn't yeah. actually wear it throughout any more of the issue. Yeah. And she's also, got like a, just a braided the, is hair. Is it just the cover where Wonder Woman's outfit looks black and purple, or is that just like the lighting? 
it's the oh no, she's got a cloak now. Yeah, she's got like a an actual. But is her outfit still red? Yep. Okay, so it's just yeah. the lighting then. Okay. Yeah, it's it's the the red uh, you know chest plate and the silver uh, for like her armor. Yeah, okay, so it's still enough. it's still the same. Um, so yeah, that's I mean that's essentially what this was. It was basically her going around trying to round up the team. By the end of it, she's got some semblance of a team. Like she has Swamp Thing with her, uh, Satana, and she has. Um, not Constantine yet. Doctor Fate is mentioned, but he hasn't shown up yet. But I've heard that he's going to. Yeah, be there's an image of her and of Wonder Woman, Doctor Fate, that looks like yeah. it would fit with this book on the page. Yeah, and I'm just going to say, say um, like the way that you say Zatanna, it sounds like you're saying Satana, like like some yeah, kind said, of Satan related character. Right, I say yeah, Satana. And yeah. Satana is actually a Hell character from Marvel, also. Mm-hmm. Well, but, yeah, and, and, her, and her dad's what Zatara? Zatara. Zatara. I see. I'm saying it wrong. Yeah, Zatara yeah. and Zatanna. Yeah, and then her cousin yeah. Rob, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, also, so this was... um, just Zatanna, Zatara, and Rob. Like, I, I don't know about you, Nico. I don't know if you've read this or if you have Dead Man. But if I wanted Wonder Woman involved in a weird mystery series involving weird sh- magical shit, I would just read that Brave and the Bold crossover with Batman. <laughs> no, with all the weird read... Irish folklore shit. <laughs> it, it looks pretty. I haven't read it, but I know it's under t- the It's bizarre. Uh, potatoes. Are you, oh, Philly D. Potatoes, Wonder Woman. You're here to, you're here to fight the leprechauns, are you? <laughs> it's the Brave and the Bold. I'm assuming that they were like that. So, yeah. I uh, I liked this. It, it's I will say it was very wordy, but I think it was needed to get this kind of set up and going in this issue like by the end of it majority of the team is together although they're not really officially a team at this point it's one of those kind of your classic you know getting the band together like we don't really want to be here but we're kind of supposed to look like a hippie he looks like alan moore i mean he's got the hair like and again like i I said brah yeah or Jamaican or whatever the hell, or <laughs> Rasta. Rasta. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's going to fight back the dark forces with a dub style. I actually like this look, actually. This I'm not offended by. It's actually. just weird to look at, is all. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, I, I like I, okay, it. I'll I just say, I like, when you said dreadlocks, I started going the fucking that joke. He looks more Viking. Yeah, I can kind of see that. Yeah. But, like, when I first saw him, my first thought was of that uh, Hellblazer issue where, where Constantine smoked. Um, Oh yeah, that yeah. swamp thing, and he got so in. He's like, "I gotta do this myself, man." Yeah, that was that was my joke. <laughs> <laughs> Just ah, oh, you bumbaclad fucking darkness. <laughs> Step yeah, off so of I, the light of jaw. <laughs> I I, uh, I think this is a promising start. It was pretty wordy, a lot of setup, but so far so good. I like the direction, and I really like James Tinian. Uh, I like yeah, him a lot. No, he's, a- I, I, he's writing some good stuff. So yeah. he, on, on the more like middling side of weird, he's one of the better writers. I don't like everything he does, but a lot of stuff he does is good. Yeah. I look forward yeah. to the 13 issues this series will get. You know, it's so fucking true. <laughs> I know that's going to be the case, but that's the thing. I, I'll be there for all of it. Like, oh, no, it yeah. Gets, I'm going to, I'm going to buy the fucking two trades when they come out. And yet yeah. Neo Batgirl will get infinite fucking issues. Oh yeah, they'll get infinite fucking issues and will be top of the bestseller list and be listed alongside yeah. fucking the greats of DC. What was that other that other little series that lasted like fucking ten issues that we enjoyed? Uh, uh, Gotham by Midnight. Remember yeah, that one? Fucking, oh fuck yeah, dude. That, that was that was a fun book. Yeah, fucking uh, Ben yeah. Temple Smith and the goddamn Gotham artist from Cool from Cooler. Is Gotham yeah. Academy still a thing? No, I don't think so. 
No, I think Aww. it stopped. Yeah, every, it yeah, was yeah, everybody left. Uh, like, uh, yeah, like uh, the one the, the series talked about last week, uh, last episode, uh, Isola. It's that creative yes. team on that now. Yeah, Carl Kershaw and uh, Brendan Fletcher. Brendan Fletcher. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, almost all of Team Batgirl. Uh, <laughs> but, but missing the crucial cancerous part of Babs right and Cameron Stewart <laughs> yes fucking babes anyways yeah so there you have it justly dark um if you're interested in this go check it out because it definitely needs your support to stick around more than five issues <laughs> yeah I mean if it does that get that we'll get a reprint of fucking shadow pact I read some of Shadow Pact. It's okay. Yeah. I, uh, again, fun concept. Yeah. I want to, I want to fucking buy it because I want to support these weird fucking magic series. I want to see more Blue Devil. I think Shadow Pact's Yeah. The collection of Brave and the Bold with Batman and Wonder Woman investigating magical crimes. I want to buy this. I kind of want to buy. Did you guys like Mystic U? Fuck. I haven't read it. I read an issue and hated it. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Because was it was the bat girling of all magic. Hmm. All right. Yeah, fucking it uh, was. Not, fucking it that was. Does not Z- sound appealing. It was Zatanna <laughs> going to. It was. It was teenage Zatanna going to university with Felix Faust. Hmm. You know those two characters of this of similar ages. Yeah. And also, it doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, like the, the whole idea of like the magic schools or whatever, if that is if that is a pre-existing thing in your world, that's fine. But it has never been established that there has been any kind of like institute teaching magic that I'm aware of. And every magic thing, everything, every magic thing that has been taught, it has been either passed down through family or self-taught. Which, mm-hmm. you know, passed down through family, that's Zatanna, self-taught, Felix Faust and Constantine. So this wasn't kind of like a Harry Potter type thing. It it's what like... they it's what they were trying for. It, it's, right. it's like it's like they were trying. Well, actually, it was it was more like they were trying to go for the magicians. Okay, is that good? Eh. I watched the first season and kind of dug it, but eventually kind of fell off of it. And it I goes read places. The book. I kind of want to read the book because the book sounds like it could go either more weirder. Than um, a a network, a cable, a basic cable TV series could, or it could be better written. Well, the show's still just as weird because there was a part where our two leads turned into foxes and fucked in the Arctic. Okay. And then there is the point where all the characters become the kings of Narnia. Yeah. Again, not that weird. Remember Dead Man? One of my favorite Alan Moore books is Promethea. Fair, but. Speaking of which, Nico, uh, before you disappear from the site, we need to organize an event where you and I read the whole thing and finish talking about it. Okay, I, I, I'd be, I'd be good with that. So anyway, well, Nico moves on to watch that fucking trailer. Yeah, have fun, Nico. <laughs> I'm gonna talk about, I'm gonna talk about flavor. By the way, Does sorry, that's 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 the bad guy that I posted in the chat of this uh, storyline, the upside down man. Well, that's a design. Yeah, that looks one. like a that looks like a Silent Hill design. Yeah, I kind of dig yeah. it. It's pretty fucked up looking. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the guy that's causing this trouble to them, apparently, which we haven't seen yet, but he's behind it. Anyways. Yeah, you're, you're just telling me more on this book, dude. Yeah, no, it's it's good. I, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. So, so anyways, anyways, 
Uh, yeah. So flavor. Um, I seem to have a habit of accidentally stumbling upon manga comics. Oh, those are always fun to find. <laughs> yeah, like like last one. I, last one I talked about was fence, right? Which was basically haiku right. but for fencing. Yeah, the one that I made fun of with a Carly Rae Jepsen song. Yeah. <laughs> then we have flavor, which is. Which is like a very, which is like a kind of toned down Toriko. So it's set in this world where um, you have to have a license to be a chef. And it's like set in this like very Chinese, uh, like Chinese tinged world kind of thing uh, with our main character. You have to win a Shokugeki to get your license. Um, not that, not that I know of, uh, but like, it seems, it seems like this town is like fucking entirely built around this idea of food. Like, like, like the, like the series starts with our lead character who I am currently trying to look at the name of, uh, but yeah, she is, she and her dog, um, are on their, are on their bicycle and sidecar. Uh, the dog is pedaling by the way. Heh. <laughs> Uh, trying to get to the train before every other chef in town to get their hands on a very special kind of truffle. And she gets there, some some shitbag throws a bunch of fucking seeds in her eyes, and then gets arrested for illegal use of seeds. Okay, when you say truffle, do you mean the mushroom or the chocolate? Uh, the mushroom. Okay. Yeah, uh, the Garuda truffle, which apparently only ripens okay. once every hundred years. This sounds like a Torico thing. Yeah, and so she, so he gets a bunch of fucking she gets a bunch of fucking seeds in her eyes uh, that, when used like that, uh, they can cause like irritation and blindness for up to forty eight hours. He then gets arrested for illegal use of fucking the peppers in accordance with some kind of law, and by the end of the book, he is sacrificed to a shoggoth living in the forest. Well, you know that's what happens. Yeah, he gets arrested by knights, and then. Um, one of our main character's uncle, uh, our main character's uncle, uh, yeah, okay, I think her name is Zoo, um, spelled X-O-O. Uh, he shows up to essentially become the guardian for her, and he pulls out his giant, uh, cloud strife sword. You know, like you do. Because it's anime. And there's some there's some kind of thing going on with her like needing to have a guardian around because she is an underage unlicensed chef, and like the gov and like child protective services are threatening to shut down her restaurant. I think. Uh, uh, okay. This is a weird book, mainly just because I don't know why it is if that makes any sense like I'm, I'm trying to actually like, like wrap my you head don't around you know why it exists basically <laughs> like this 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 all plays out like a manga from sure. the, from the design of the world to our main character to the fucking twist by the end of the issue and all of it, like, none of it is 
bad. Like it all, I think, I think it all pretty well works. Like I am intrigued to see what happens next. Um, I am ambivalent to interested in our lead. Okay. That's better than a lot of manga. Yeah. It's got a, it's got a pretty solid art style. It doesn't, it doesn't try to go for the manga art style. It goes for more of a, like, how would I describe, how, how would I word this? Um, Indie? Yeah, kinda. It's got like a. It's a very. I've I've seen this kind of art style before in like Tumblr-ish comics. If that like if that that's not really a subgenre, but like the type of comics that people from Tumblr make. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of some of that. Like I I can't think of any exact series, but just the way that the, the way that this person draws faces. Probably got and, like uh, an animated style to it. Yeah, kind of. I'm looking at some of the art right now. Yeah, and it is... It's all very anime. Which is fine, because Deadman and I like anime. Yeah. And occasionally when Japan... Okay. I don't know. You were too young for a lot of these. I don't... Deadman, how many of those shows from like the early 2000s that were made by Western creators that really heavily took from anime did you watch? Teen Titans. Okay, so that was it? That I can remember. Okay, yeah, because I watched weird shit also, like Totally Spies, or... Oh, right, yeah, I did I did watch some of that. I, that that that, was... that that came out around the time that I was very much like, yeah, that fucking girl show, fuck that. <laughs> that was, honestly, I thought it was fine. It's yeah, but it, terrible. Yeah, but I, but I was also the kind of kid who, like, made fun of people who watched Sailor Moon. You, 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 you were an edgelord? Hmm. No, it wasn't even an edgelord. It was just, I, trailer, I was a guy. <laughs> so I didn't watch Sailor Moon, despite the fact that I watched it regularly. I watched oh, Dragon Ball Z, despite the fact I that I never Batman? watched it. You want to know how weird I am when it comes to anime stuff? Huh. I didn't watch Sailor Moon. I watched Fox Kids' attempt to cash in on Sailor Moon, where they had to neuter a show that was clearly meant for older teens and make it for eight-year-olds. <laughs> what was that? Mew Mew Power. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I, I could explain I to, it, but that would you yeah. would have to come on the anime show. Oh, okay, I, yeah. I watched some Sailor Moon, but that was only because it came after or before Dragon Ball. <laughs> I remember. Yeah, like, like I, I ended up watching some of it though. Yeah, like, like that, that was kind of my thing too. Like I would, like I would like sit down, it's like, hey, Dragon Ball's coming on, but then I catch the back catching this, like catch the back end of Sailor Moon on TV, and then yeah. end up watching more Sailor Moon <laughs> than Dragon Ball. Mm. Because Sailor Moon was yeah. largely episodic, it didn't have like a full like storyline going episode to episode, whereas Every Dragon Ball was, was incredibly serialized. Yeah, 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 not exactly. So anyway, the thing Deadman was talking about, yeah, flavor. <laughs> um, it's I'm interested. Okay, it isn't really a it doesn't doesn't really have anything that kind of like stands out and really grabs onto you. Uh, it just kind of uh, okay. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Because um, in my personal experience and having talked about the Marvel manga verse, as you are aware, uh, when anime, when Western comics try to take anime and manga tropes, it goes one of two directions. They either kind of try to copy the aesthetic and storytelling style to fit with Western stylings, or they just flat out rip tropes from popular anime and manga like Marvel manga verse or Ninja High School where it's just kind of embarrassing and you should just watch the manga or anime it's pulling from, Uh which is this. 
Ah, uh, this. Just based on the first issue, it feels like. It just feels like manga through Western lens, basically. Okay. Yeah, it just. That's better than that's better than what I was thinking it might be. Yeah, like uh, it is. It has it has the like design and it has the design world and setup of a manga thing, but with the storytelling trope, with the storytelling style and the art style of Western comics. Like the, like the whole fucking thing about this is like like the whole. The whole thing that kind of kicks our main like character plot off is is this girl's uncle coming back because Child Protective Services requires her to have a guardian, and her guardian can't be like a giant robot or something. Yeah, which isn't really a thing that I've seen in Japanese comics, like because she's like fucking she's like fifteen, and based on some Japanese comics, based on some manga I've read, once you are fifteen, you are good to have your own apartment. Yeah, or you would be fuckable. Uh, the artist on this book too is uh, Korean. Yeah, which I mean, that, I mean that's not really new because I mean, someone recently looked at all of the great Western animated series that pulled Korean or Japanese manga uh, animators and draw and illustrators for their series, like Young Justice, Batman the Animated Series. So that's not a new thing. No, it's not. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not saying it is. I just, uh, but yeah, uh, uh, I just for just for uh, proper credit where it's due, um, series is uh, co-written um, by uh, Josh by Joseph Keating and uh, Wukjin Clark, who is also the artist. Mm-hmm. I like the look of this. I like the art a lot. I've been looking over this when you've been talking about it. Yeah, like it nice. does. It does environments really well. Like, like environments and backgrounds, I think, are the strongest point of the series so far with art. Which is something that's lacking in a lot of art these days. Like, oh, yeah. Like, a lot, like, like, yeah. Like, yeah. Like this one, it does occasionally have like the background of just being a color gradient. Mm-hmm. But it at least but at least it takes the effort to match the gradient to the environment they're in. Mm-hmm. Like I'm looking at an image of her bicycling uphill with the dog. And yeah, then that, that's the first page. Yeah, and then you're looking behind her, and you see like the market, like, and there's there's people walking all over the place doing different things, and actually, it, it looks yeah, like it, it feels it feels like a, it feels like a world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, very Which cool. a lot of good anime and manga do, and a lot of bad anime and manga don't. Yeah. Hi. Um, what was that thing everyone made fun of last year? Dead Man. Uh, Black, Black Clover. Clover. <laughs> In this world, if you don't have magic, you're nothing. It kind of remind. It's kind of Miyazaki-ish, actually. It looks like it to me. I don't know. I get like a kind of a little bit of a vibe like that from the art. Uh, I try to avoid making that comparison because a lot of people, when they see anime, they send Miyazaki first, just because he's so prevalent in the West. So yeah, no, I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't see a Miyazaki with this. Um, it's kind of like when people say, "Oh, because this is Japanese themes, it's very Kurosawa." I'm like, no. My knowledge is very limited, so that's fair. Yeah, assessment. like, like honestly, the design of this looks almost a bit more Chinese than Japanese. Mm-hmm. J- well, that could be good or bad. It is like look at the train. Um, like look at the train when it pulls up. It looks like a fucking San Francisco trolley. Yeah, I was I was more coming from like the oh, so it's pulling from it. like the same mindset as like uh, what was that Disney movie from a couple years ago, Big Hero Six? Yeah, that was fun. 
It was perfectly acceptable. Yeah, was and fine. I needed it because my father had just died. <laughs> oh. Yeah, just drop that on you. I'm sorry it's to hear been that. four years. I can do that. Uh huh. Yeah. But yeah, and, I was uh, on this site at that yeah, time. Yeah, and also I just noticed a joke that I didn't notice before. In the comic? Yeah, yeah, in the comic. Uh, there's a point where they are. There's a point where um, Zoo, our main character, is uh, like sitting out on her roof talking to her dog about, uh, you know, just getting, but you know, just getting that food and mean what it means to her character and stuff. And her dog is reading a book called Bow. Bow wow wow. Yeah. <laughs> ah, so these creators are fans of the incredibly generic mid '90s ultra violent manga Bow. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like I said, I'm interested, I'm interested to see where this goes. Um, I, I really hope I can get you on the, the anime podcast again, Nico, before you disappear so we can discuss some more stuff for you to do in your free time. Yeah, I'm always open for suggestions. Yeah, I'll be so, around. Yeah, so uh, like, yeah, so uh, check out Flavor if you're interested. Uh, if you read, uh, if you read the uh, on the image website, the description of this comic, and I quote. Miyazaki-esque world building in this delectable. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that, that's a that's a marketing department yeah, trying to fair, sell. Nico, but the problem is you're not the only one who does, no, who's know. guilty of. Oh, this is anime related. We have to compare it to it's Miyazaki. An easy reference to make. Yeah. Yes, obviously. Yeah, it, I'm just yeah, saying it says it on the website. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, like, like know. Miyazaki is the only fucking like anime pull a, a lot of Western audiences have because yeah, like, that's let me put it this way, Nico. If if someone said Studio Ghibli and asked who else besides Miyazaki works at Studio Ghibli, there would be like thirty minutes of, um, and then and then like and then like half the people will go, wait, what Studio Ghibli? <laughs> yeah, no, believe me, I'm very uh, my my when it comes to that kind of stuff, I I, I admittingly my knowledge no. is now not granted great. The other main director from Studio Ghibli, his stuff I wouldn't want to watch because who wants his to son? watch Grave of the Fireflies unless they're fucking are you talking, suicide? Are you, talk, are you talking about this? Doesn't his son work for the studio? I know well? this, this is a totally different two, guy. But, but okay. Takahata, who passed away recently, is the other big critically acclaimed director at Studio Ghibli. And Who's he the guy Pon Popo or whatever the fucking? That's also called. Miyazaki. Yeah, like a good chunk of it's Miyazaki, but then Isao Takahata, he did. A couple no, of he them. did Porco Rosso, but that pawn, whatever the fuck was Miyazaki too, pawn Popo yeah, or something? That's, yeah, most yeah. like 70 to 80% of it is Miyazaki, but there are uh, a couple of films that are not Miyazaki. I thought that was Isao one of the ones Takahata. that was it. Nope. And okay. Nico, if you are a happy person and you want to stay happy, never watch Grave of the Fireflies. <laughs> yeah, no, Grave of the Fireflies is about, is about children dying. Yeah. Children dying of starvation and stupidity. Yeah, in nuclear wastelands. Mm. Yeah, no, thank you. <laughs> oh no, actually, looking at it, um, Pompoko actually was done by Satakahata. Oh, yeah, see, okay. See, I didn't, I didn't think that one was mm. Miyazaki. That's why Maybe I yeah. something similar that sounds. He may like have been it. involved. Like he may have did something in it. Obviously, I'm sure his handprints are on everything. Um, there, maybe right? you were thinking of Ponyo, Birdie. Ponyo, I know is yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I hate. Didn't, I, I didn't that's, like that. that's one of the few that's anime films I flat out hate from <laughs> Miyazaki. Is no, Ponyo? no, yeah, pump, pump, uh, yeah, because Ponyo is st- 
stupid and pointless and random. Like, basically. Yeah, it, but... it's, well, it's Little Mermaid for five-year-olds. Yeah, yeah it's Little like Mermaid that. for five-year-olds if you want to be bored, because yeah. having Liam Neeson being your primary uh, exposition <laughs> giver means you're going to fall asleep. I like Liam Neeson's voice. Like, yes, kids won't, very, but... It's very soporific. Yeah. I have a very specific set of skills. Just it will a, make you false. Just the very fucking gruff and gritty half Irish. <sighs> just take anyway. the doll. So anything else to say about this dead man? Uh, no. Uh, check it out if you want. It's an image book. All right. I will. Okay. W- once I get more into it, we will. We may revisit it. All right. So anyway, uh, Avatar Last Airbender The Search. Because I just realized I've never talked about this book, and anyone who is a fan of Avatar The Last Airbender... Uh, you, you cut out there a lot, Bertie. Yeah, sorry. Every person who has ever watched Avatar The Last Airbender should read The Search. And I just realized I've never talked about it before. So yeah, fuck it, let's talk about it. Yeah, The, the Search is... Uh, so there have been a few... Um fucking Avatar Last Airbender There have been a lot of um, miniseries from the creators about the original Avatar The Last Airbender universe post the end of the series and during. This is the one everyone wanted because it explained one of the major questions left over from the end of the series. Okay, I was actually going to ask, like, is this the, like, the search is about Zuko's mom, right? Yes. Because, Because that is the search. They are searching for his mom. Yeah. I'm and pretty sure I read whole... this like three years ago and I forgot what happens in it. Yeah. Okay. So much like most Avatar The Last Airbender stuff, it is a combination of really good character-driven storytelling and weird spirit bullshit. Yep. Avatar, motherfuckers. So, Nico, have you watched Avatar The Last Airbender? Not a episode. Nope. Shit. Motherfucker. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. I've not watched I was about to try to I didn't want to interrupt you, but I have not I've not I know what it is. Uh I have not read anything though. Okay. Or, or, or watched anything. So, um Avatar the Last Airbender is a series that ran on Nickelodeon 2005 to 2008. It is one of the most beloved children's cartoons of all time. Yeah, um, it, is, it is considered one of the best. Like, anima- you know, it, it's one of the best animated series ever. Sorry, one thing is the Legend of Korra a spinoff of the, this? The Legend of Korra is, is a, a sequel. sequel series. Okay. okay. Yeah, but before before the before the creators of this got fucked over super hard by Nickelodeon, I believe the plan was to have four series because the Avatar cycle, as it is explained, is a cycle of four things: going air, water, earth, fire. Yeah. Okay. Right, and so Legend of Korra is the next one in the cycle after Aang dies. He is, the, she is the next Avatar. And okay. my friends got mad at me when I predicted that she would be gay. Why? Because they thought I was a witch. <laughs> <laughs> because is that what ended up happening? Uh, yeah, actually, she uh, yeah she spends oh, she, okay. yeah uh, she and the other main female character uh, they both date the same guy and then. Have a realize they have better chemistry with each other than with him. Yeah. Oh, okay. and yeah. Around yeah, they both realized that around the same time that the creators did too. Right. Be- because there was no real like uh, 
there, there was no like real like lead up to that being a thing throughout the rest of the series. It was just kind of going into the last season. Yeah. They meet each other and blush when they talk, and then it's like, oh, yeah. they're gonna fuck. So like, here's the problem that you need to know about Avatar: The Last Airbender and its sequel series, Legend of Korra. Nico, mm-hmm. um, with Avatar: The Last Airbender, Nickelodeon gave them three seasons, so they wrote the whole thing, beginning, middle, and end, and it made sense. Yeah. In the case of Legend of Korra, they wrote what they were given one season. Thought they didn't have any more and tried to conclude it. And then Nickelodeon said, oh, oh, here, have three more seasons. And they're like, crap. And then during the, and then, and then during the third season, they kept shifting around what network it aired on and then, sla- and then it slashed its budget. Ah, uh, that yeah. fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think we should but back anyway. up a bit. So I think we should back up a bit and actually explain what the premise of the series is because we haven't yeah, done that. I will, ex- I will explain what Avatar The Last Airbender is because it's important to understand the plot of this series. So, um, in this world, in the world of Avatar, Nico, um, mm. there are four tribes of people that can each manipulate magically through martial arts one of the four elements, air, water, earth, or fire. Okay, yeah. Are they like monks? They're monks? Like, uh, no, the air, uh, the air okay, ones so are. The, right, because they look like monks. Yeah, right. yeah, okay. it is, yeah, it is. yeah the, the airbenders are monks. Yeah, the air okay. nomads. Um, yeah, the air nomads. The water tribes. Earth kingdom. The earth the kingdom and the fire nation. The fire nation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, all, all of them based on a different aspect of some Japanese society with uh, Tibetan right. monks. Asian societies. Don't don't say Japanese. Don't don't say Japanese, you fucker. <laughs> no, no, the, no. The, the airbenders are Tibetan monks. The the, uh, the Earth Kingdom is Chinese. Yeah, the Water the Fire Nation is Japanese. Yeah, the Waterbenders are Inuit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and with all that in mind, uh, the only person who can master all four elements is the Avatar, ah, and he is said. Okay. Yeah. And he is said to be like the nuclear final solution to stop any of these nations from doing something harmful to the rest of the world. Yeah, if, if anything and is to throw off the balance, the Avatar comes in and goes, fuck you, snaps his fingers, everybody explodes. Yeah. Okay. And in the series of Avatar, this leads to one of the greatest fight scenes ever put onto American animation. So but, uh, <laughs> but, um, so as part of this, to prevent like any nation from becoming unbalanced because they always get the Avatar, who the Avatar is cycles to a different nation after the next one dies, like the Dalai Lama. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, so it's, it's chosen the avatar or yeah, um, like, no, no, it's, it's reincarnation. They, yeah. It's okay. reincarnation. And the, the way they explain it is that the avatar is born the day that the previous avatar dies. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then, and, and then they, and they do like the Dalai Lama thing where they leg out a series of objects, some of which were cho- some of which belonged to the avatar, but previous, like previous avatar, some of which didn't that the, the, the candidate chooses three. If they choose the three that were belonging to the avatar, he's the avatar. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Much and like, like they all know how to test this, but anyway, uh, so when the previous fire bending avatar dies, uh, Aang, who is 12 at the time, is chosen to be the new avatar, but he doesn't accept the responsibility and tries to run away and gets lost in a storm where he immediate where he uses his avatar powers to like protect himself and his flying bison and they end up frozen in a sphere of ice for over what is it 100, 100 years. years? Yeah, it yeah. is 100 years. Sorry. 
Did you say flying bison? Yes, a yeah. six-legged flying bison. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's a six-legged flying bison that taught humans Seriously, how to air, Nico, airbend. More, more than any other anime or manga, Dead Man and I could recommend, watch Avatar. <laughs> okay. We I'll know fucking everything this. about this goddamn series, dude. That's yeah. <laughs> awesome. All right, so when Aang Wake is woken up by two random water tribe members a hundred years later, he discovers that the balance that he knew no longer exists because the fire nation conquered everyone else. Yeah. And also mostly wiped out the airbenders, the airbending nomad tribes so that he is the last airbender. Yeah. Hence the full title avatar, the last airbender. And hence the reason why the timeline of this series is um, BG and AG for before genocide and after genocide. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, and a major character in the series who is constantly pursuing Aang the Avatar is the son of the Fire Lord, Zuko, played by Rufio. Or, uh, what's it? Uh, Dante, Dante Bosco. Uh, Motherfucking Dante, Dante Bosco. Bosco. Is um, he, in the, he is he in this image in the chat here on the cover? Yeah, he's yeah. on the cover. He's yeah. the guy with the burn scar on the his fist. eye. Okay, yeah. 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 Yeah, he was burned by his father because he refused to hit his father in a fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, they were they were like standing around like his war table, and his dad was like putting out some ideas, and the, the, a general was putting out some ideas, and Zuko was like, "Hey, that's kind of stupid." Mm. And so his dad's like, "Fuck you, fight me." Oh, dude, this is written by Jean Lun Yang. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> kind of interested even by that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. But so so. Zuko was burned in the face by his father and exiled from the Fire Nation because mm-hmm. of his actions. And he believes that finding the Avatar is the only way for him to regain his honor and regain his place in the, the thro- uh, in the in the house of his father, the the Emperor. Yeah. If, um, if you, if you do get if you do end up watching the series, uh, take a shot every time every time Zuko says honor. Yeah. Also, for, also, Nico, for reference as to how evil his father is, he's voiced by the voice of um, the Batman animated series Joker. Mark Hamill. Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, and and, and, really and cool. it is Mark Hamill putting on the fucking dirtiest right. goddamn voice. Yeah, yeah. So he's the evil motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Huh. Yeah. So one of Z- Zuko throughout the series, for the first two seasons in particular, is constantly trying to capture or kill Aang because he believes that's how he will regain his honor while his uncle Iroh attempts right. to instill in him more, uh, to reinforce in him his more humane and uh, compassionate tendencies. I'm, I'm guessing, though, due to things that happen, they have to become parts, right? Like, uh, or no? Like, uh, like, in the third season... When Zuko helps his crazy bitch ass sister Azula capture the avatar, kill the avatar, supposedly, he thinks he's gotten what he wants when he gets back into the palace, but he's still not happy. So eventually he has to come to the conclusion that he has to be true to himself and what right. he thinks honor is. Yeah, and not in this what case for him, wants. that means, yeah. And for them, he, that eventually means helping the avatar and um, mm. ultimately fighting against his foster. Yeah, and mm. it's it's his fucking... And when the series is over, uh-huh. the guy who ultimately rejected the Fire Nation is the one who becomes the new Fire Lord. Mm. 
And and how old is the Avatar kid in this? Uh, twelve. Uh, and he's twelve during the series. Mm. So it, would and, you also say it's like a coming of age and learning? Of, yeah, uh, yeah, totally. yeah, yeah, totally. It's it's about it's, it's about like, him like uh, it's about him oh, uh, in, accepting his that. responsibility. Yeah, that sounds like, yeah. Yeah, because part of the thing about learning the uh, three of the other elements is that he has to master elements of his own emotions and personality that are so alien to him in comparison to what he grew up with. And that's Mm -hmm. the idea of the Avatar, that they are balanced because they understand the personality and mindset of everyone from these other groups. Yeah, like like when he he first starts learning firebending, he accidentally hurts somebody and then like actually shuts himself off from firebending for a good chunk of the rest of the series until Zuko shows up as as an ally. Okay. Oh, so yeah. good. Yeah, no, it's yeah, very it, it good. Is, it's Avatar: The Last Airbender is an incredibly well written, well thought out story that is one of the best shows ever written. Yeah, it's 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 dramatic. It's funny. It's action packed. It's gorgeous. You will love. So, there are so many episodes I could list as you will love everything in this episode. And I feel like we're and there's so many like much. side characters. But I'm. We're talking too much about this. It's not about the series. I didn't mean to have to go into a backstory. No, about I appreciate. I just didn't realize. No, I appreciate. Yeah, yeah it's it's just so, it, you, you kind of can't talk about the Avatar comics without talking about Avatar the series, unless unless the person has already seen it. Yeah, mm-hmm. but anyway, a lingering unanswered question about the series from the character of Zuko's perspective at the end of the series, because they because Aang chooses not to kill the Fire Lord. He's given a choice whether to kill him or not, and he chooses not to. And when Zuko is given a chance to confront the Fire Lord, he asks what happened to his mother. And that's what this story is about, where Zuko and his crazy sister Azula are trying to find Zuko, their mother. Okay. In the context of the series, what we learned is that... um, It's just the sister on the cover as well? Yeah. uh Okay. She crazy. Yeah, Yeah, she's like, like, like not just looks crazy, like... In her psyche, she is crazy. She yeah, constantly by, thinks she's paranoid, borderline schizophrenic. I think. Yeah. By the by, the end of the series, she's chained to the ground, screaming fire into the air while crying. Yeah. Well, she sounds like she's got some issues. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, like she starts out as just like a very composed and very haunting villain, but yeah. then as things progress, you just see like cracks start to show, and she starts getting crazier and crazier and crazier. Until the, to the point where she's actually like having conversations with her mo- with a hallucination of her mother. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. But no, anyway, good. yeah. So when Zuko manages to extract um, information from his father and Azula as to what happened to his mother after she, because when in the context of the series itself, uh, Fire Lord Ozai, Zuko's father, took the throne when Zuko's mother agreed to give Ozai. A, a vial of untraceable poison in exchange for sparing Zuko's life because Ozai was threatening to kill him okay. at the grandfather's request. Yeah, you know. Uh, oh wow! And Ozai agreed to this on the condition that the mother disappear when this happened. So, so that's what this search is. Yeah, the search to the find mother. the mother. Uh, and and this is a storyline that was not. Uh, in the series, like is that yes, it was not in the series. Like oh, this yeah, was okay. a question that fans of the series were like, "Well, right. what happened to his mother?" Because right. yeah, it's the, one they, of the they last set, things they set up enough. They set up enough to be like, "Hey, there's something here," mm-hmm. and then just let that yeah. keep dangling. 
Yeah, because they so essentially, yeah, this is almost like a continuation the actual cartoon series. So it's similar like what they used they did with like the Buffy comics and this kind of thing. Like like yes. it's a yeah, it's okay. Right, right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, this Avatar yeah. this is Avatar Last Airbender season four. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yeah. And what we discover is that when um the mother whose name I believe is Ursa yep. uh, fled the Fire Nation after this uh, she went back to look for her original betrothed because she was she was supposed to be married to a man from her local village before the Fire Lord chose her to be his son's wife when he becomes Fire Lord. Uh, and she does ultimately find him, but in order for them to be, stay safe and be happy as a couple, she visits a spirit. And this is another element of the series that we forgot to mention, Nico. Uh, there's a lot of, like like animalistic, like Taoist or Shintoist type spirit stuff going on in this series. Like okay. there are like spirits and gods and stuff that are like affecting the human world that the avatar is supposed to be like a bridge between the spirit and human worlds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And one of these spirits is a character called the mother of faces. And apparently once every season, if you can find the pool that her spirit, her spirit um, herald, which is this giant wolf, drinks from, she will grant you a new face and a new life. Oh, but wow. in exchange, you forget everything that happened in your previous life that you wish to leave behind. Mm-hmm. And we learned that Zuko's mother chose to forget her children in order to protect them and to embrace her new life. Okay. Huh. Yeah. It gets rough. Yeah. Yeah, that's and, uh that's quite a uh power to be so like to basically take on a new Yeah, oh, well these it. these spirits are very, very powerful. Like as a sign of this, um David, I don't remember if you remember the face eater from season one. Oh yeah, that fucker. That guy was fucking awesome. Yeah. That guy was this character's son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there's, okay. there's like this weird like centipede thing that if you sh- if you, like when you're looking at if him, if you show an expression in front of him, he steals your face. Yeah. Oh wow. Oh, <laughs> that's fucked up. <laughs> yeah, and, and so, and so, he, so his face, so like his, his like face, face is just like a giant eyeball that makes a face, and every time he blinks, a new face comes out. Creepy. <laughs> yeah, you seriously need to watch this, Nico. Yeah, it's good. It's on, it's on Netflix. It. Right now, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The entirety of the series is on Netflix. Okay, I might, I might have been sold. I'm here. currently rewatching <laughs> it. Yeah, and eventually, uh, Azula tries to kill their mother once they realize who she is. But uh, so another brief subplot in this is that there is a letter suggesting that Zuko might have been born to um, Ursa's previous lover, not Ozai, so he might not have a right to the throne. Is but like it's Ecom discovered or Icom? That, yeah, yeah. But it's discovered that this is not the case, and that Ursa basically just wrote this to sort of let herself believe the idea that her son will not turn out like him at all. Which, given how their daughter turned out, is a well is a believable a strong possibility. Motivation. Yeah, but luckily he took after his mom and his uncle. Yeah, because his uncle is fucking dope. Yeah, some of the best scenes in the series are between Zuko and his. <laughs> 
Iroh is the best. Yeah. And the actor has become somewhat beloved because of this, because he, he finished the series and then passed away. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Recorded yeah. the first episode and yeah, just went through the entire series and then just fucking like, all right, I'm out. Peace fuckers. Was his like was his part like done though? Like yeah, he finished. Uh, no, no oh, the, wow. the, there were a couple of pickup shots where they had like have somebody else come in and dub his voice. Yeah, okay. actually, I think like the last couple of episodes they had someone else come in, but it was right. not much. But huh. yeah, but but th- but then but then they had this, but then they had his character show up again in Legend of Korra with an entirely yeah. different voice actor that wasn't even trying to em- that wasn't even trying to fucking uh, match make up. Yeah, yeah, and that was a little distracting. <laughs> but sure. the writing was, that was still partly the weirdest problem Korra had. Yeah, but we won't cool. talk about that. Yeah. Well, Deadman, I will just say flat out, watch Avatar last era. <laughs> and then read oh. all the comics. All yeah. of them. Well, I've heard good things about the Dark Horse comics. Like, I, I have, it's one of yeah. the, because that place I work part time, yeah. uh, the shop with the book. Yeah, uh, the the Dark store. Horse, when they People put out stuff, some of it. it is really interesting. It's not always, but a lot of it is. But yeah. the main reason I read this is because it's, cre- it's creator, it's show creator approved. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, while it while it is written by Gene Yang, um, yeah, I like him. Uh, the two the two guys in charge, I believe, had like creative say over like yay or naying stuff in the book. Yeah, and so everything that he re- everything that he wrote, they it had the original creator seal of approval. All right, no, that's that. I, I, yeah, I'm very interested now. Actually. Yeah, so Nico, in your spare time, watch Avatar: The Last Airbender. It will take you a while because there are like twenty episodes per piece for three seasons. Yeah, right. Didn't okay, and this is probably something that it's not spoken about, and I'm sure it's probably bad. Didn't fucking end like Shyamalan do a fucking movie? Yes. Yeah. Is that actually based off of this? Yeah, it's based off this. And you want to know a a, a terribly funny thing, Dead Man? On the DVD of season two. M. Night Shyamalan has a 10-minute speech explaining why he is such a fan of all these elements of the show and how much he hopes to bring them to life in the movie. Oh, honey. <laughs> all I know is that in terms of his work <laughs> during that period, it was not good. It's so, so great just, of just the I fundamental guess, lack of understanding of the material. I figured that was the case because I'm sure he had it's, to put his it, it's M. Night Shyamalan made a lot of people it. realize like <laughs> There was a series of movies after Unbreakable that made yes. people slowly start to dislike yes. him. Absolutely. A lot of people feel like the adaptation of Avatar The Last Airbender was rock bottom. And until very recently, he was yeah. untouchable in terms of being a good director. Yeah, he, he, was, he, he, he essentially blackballed himself. No, I know. I know. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's one of those things where they say in Hollywood, if you've had three bad Bro, you're done essentially. Well, unless basically. you're a woman, in which case you have one bad film and no one will touch you ever again. Fuck. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Also, Deadman, I didn't realize. Have you not done Avatar, the last, Air- the last Airbender movie, on your site? Yes, we have. Okay, I didn't see it. It was during Fuck It Month. Okay. I did it with James. <laughs> However, yeah, I figured I figured that was something that no one. You guys like rather not oh, acknowledge. No, like, like, <laughs> it's kind of like Gantz. I occasionally, occasionally need to feel hatred. 
I'm aware of that manga. Yeah, I haven't watched it. I, I yeah. know the manga. It's almost funny that you bring up Gantz in this context because Gantz is the polar opposite of Avatar: The Last Air. Oh yeah, like Isn't fucking that the one where it's like a video game or I no no. no. Okay. It's an anime about um yeah, it's, it's an, an, anim- it's an anime gay about guys trying to rape high school students. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking of something else then. It is incredibly sexist and homophobic and racist and terrible. Yeah. It's drawn it really well people. though. It hates people. Yeah, it is disgusting. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So anyway, Nico, um read all, watch all of Avatar the Last Airbender search because the art is gorgeous, if you can tell just from the images I posted in the in the chat. Yeah. And the story is great. You love you will love these characters. But it is one of those moments where you have to have watched the series for this to mean anything. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I'll, I'll definitely start with the cartoon, and then if I like it, gravitate to the comics. Because I've seen <laughs> that Dark Horse also comes out with the uh, gravitate. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. um, no, no, the, no, it wasn't uh, the gravitate. It was the <laughs> oh. if you like it. It sounds you pretty much sold me already. That, that's what, that's oh, no, why, it was that, one of my favorite cartoons. It was one of the first things I ever bought just for myself. As like, I want to rewatch this I, TV series I, over and over again. I have one question: Why does he have like this downward arrow thing? Uh, it's it's a mana- it's a, part of his monastic tradition of his culture. Like the monks get that okay. tattooed to show that they are they have mastered air bending. Yeah. Ah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it's spiritual. It has a thing. And it also lights up because it's real funky. Yeah. And it looks much better in the TV series than it does in the god-awful movie where they find it and can't look at it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) They make it Christian. Wind Jesus. (laughs) As opposed to the Dalai Lama. Was there a classic M. Night Shyamalan twist at the end of no. that? Uh, no. Well, <laughs> no. Well, okay. Actually, there was a bit of a twist in that In that, uh, in that, the twist was he thought he'd get a sequel. <laughs> I guess that is a twist. Yeah. Nothing yes. about this would be – like this had such a negative reaction. Like there's the famous um, like opening night interview of people watching a screening of it where, where an, uh, a news person – just turned around and asked the entire theater, did anyone like this movie? And the entire theater screamed, no. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it was like voted, uh, it, it was like, fuck, it like fucking swept the Razzie Awards that year. Right. Oh, God. Uh, it's like single digits on Rotten Tomatoes, I think. All, all I remember is that that came out at like the height of, like you said, like after like his, a bunch of shit films that he did and like where people like basically almost had written them off completely. And then this came out and I was aware of what Avatar was at that time, but I didn't have any interest in watching it because I'm like, I didn't like his films at that point. Right. Yeah. So yeah but like, like, yeah, like, like, like we, like we said about the series, the series was very well written. Like the, the thing that kind of exemplifies what M. Night Shyamalan got wrong about the thing is there's an episode of the series called the, called like the raft. Where a bunch of earthbenders, right. are taken, yeah, where a bunch of earthbenders are taken prisoner, and with earthbending until until later in the series, you can only bend rocks. You you can't bend any processed earth like metal, right? And so what they did was the Fire Nation they took all the earthbenders and put them on an oil rig, okay, miles away from any land to keep them from uprising. Yeah. So so so, so so it's like, hey, we would fight back, but. We're in the middle of the ocean with no earth around us. We're fucked. 
Yeah. In the movie, in they the adapt movie, that scene, and they're just in a rock quarry. Oh. <laughs> and the Earthbenders are like, yeah, we can't fight back. Yeah, that doesn't really work for what you just explained. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they also severely... <laughs> like, and, and what's funny is, there is a scene in the movie where Egg basically says, hey, Earthbenders, you're surrounded you by Earth. Earth. There's a lot of Earth here. Right. Maybe rebel. <laughs> Yeah, but they, they, but they themselves were not smart enough to realize that during the film. Yeah, and, no. and then and then also in that and also in that scene, it is the worst example of like how how he fucks up bending because in the series, yeah. bending is based on martial arts. It's like very simple movements, yeah, like with earthbenders. Like, so, so imagine dead Nico. Imagine like a martial arts fight where like every action, like defense or offense, has a purpose and serves the character who's using it. And like all of those have like fire or earth or air or water being attached to each of those movements. Right. Yeah. Imagine like doing a whole kata just to throw a rock. Yeah. Like 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 what they like what they do like like in, in the series, like Earth and wants those rock. One Earthbender stomps. A rock jumps up. He punches. The rock flies. Right. In this, in this, a chorus line of Earthbenders do a stomp routine to make one rock float toward a guy who then punches. <laughs> Yeah, that's lame. <laughs> they also they also severely depower the firebenders by having them only able to like manipulate fire and not generate it. Yeah, it sounds like this movie he did not understand the material it sounds he did, like. He did not. <laughs> he understand he understood the material about as well as Zack Snyder understood Watchmen. Okay. <laughs> now I get where you're coming from. <laughs> All right. So yes, Nico, watch Avatar the Last Airbender and then read the search. Yes. All right. And then the next one. Thank you. And the one before it. And the ones after it. Everything. Read everything. Okay. I'll start off with the cartoon. Get into all of it. Three seasons, you said there is? Yeah. Yep. Three seasons, roughly 20 episodes apiece. Yep. All of them on, okay. all of them on Netflix. Okay. Canadian Netflix. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why and I had to have, I don't know about you, Dead Man, but this might be one of my favorite examples of a clip show in yeah. season three. Yeah. It's fucking amazing. Okay, because usually those, I don't like those, but sometimes they can pull off. Well, that, that's because it's not technically a clip show. It, oh, it's it's like, a recap they, episode. They have, yeah, they have a recap episode where, like, ran, a random firebending team of, like, Commu- theater, yeah, community theater dudes reenact, reenact the entire the series. series. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, 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 they reenact, but they reenact the series through, like, the broken telephone of people passing the story around. Right. Oh, so, that's kind of cool. I like that idea. Yeah, yeah so, so like it's so like all the characters yeah, are the characters who watched the who were part of the series watching other people who through rumor have kind of right, assimilated right, right, right. what happened and made fun of it. Yeah, like Ang <laughs> like, like, like like in like in the play, yeah. Ang turns into a girl. Okay. Um, that's not the case. The yeah, uh, Katara is just this old crone mother. Um yeah. uh, Sokka is just an idiot. Uh, Toph, who is a 10-year-old blind girl, is now a professional wrestler. <laughs> well, he just walks in, Hi, I'm Toph. I see by screaming. <laughs> and Toph is just like, I fucking love this, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah, and fucking Toph. Toph's, Toph's the best character. She's the best. Yeah, when you get to Toph in season two, you will fall in love. You will probably fall in love the way everyone else has. <laughs> she is. There's a reason, like amazing. blind people love 
Toph as a character. <laughs> and I just looked her up. Just so fucking well written. She, she looks. Yeah. The the blind huh. the blindness is never forgotten, um, except by the characters because she act because she sees so well just through her feet that people forget she's blind. Yeah. It's fucking great. Uh, it's, it's better than I'm, Daredevil. I, I, I I'm sold. Yeah, no, you got you got me. I'm very interested. In... Yeah, Toph is right. the, Toph is the better Daredevil. That's awesome. <laughs> she's better than Daredevil. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, anyway. So yeah, uh, uh, to, to reiterate for the final time, watch Avatar The Last Airbender and then read the search. <laughs> all right, all right. God damn it, Nickelodeon. Stu- God damn it, Nickelodeon. Give them another fucking series with, with the budget and let, let them do whatever the fuck they want. Entice them to come back. We need more of this, you fucking assholes. Anyway, <laughs> Uh yeah okay I'm gonna quickly touch on uh, action comics 1001. We, we talked about that for like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you guys gushed about Avatar and you sold me on watching it, so that's you know something. <laughs> I'm worried we tried. I'm worried we oversold it. Yeah, well, you know, I'm slowly gonna probably watch it, so I'll I'll, I'll get back to you guys on how how it's uh, progressing. But I, I definitely will watch. I will check it out. Um. No, I get it. You guys obviously got a lot of love for it, so we'll see. I, uh, it sounds interesting to me. Uh, so, yeah, Action Comics, 1001. Uh, Bendis writing this title, <laughs> and this is the first. Uh, Bendis has uh, came now. <laughs> he's, he's here. He's writing the Superman titles. Uh, so he's launched, I think, Superman... This is about almost, I think, two weeks old now, this auction comics. So um, he's writing uh, this and Superman every other... They're monthly, so every other two weeks, either Superman or Action will come out. And this is the yeah. first issue uh, of Action after Action 1000, which was uh, him and everybody else just writing short stories. So this is the first issue of his Action stuff, which is supposed to be focusing more so only on uh, Clark Kent as opposed to Superman and basically him at the bugle, uh, not that bugle, the planet. planet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, and yeah, and uh, th- that was mostly the case with this issue. Uh, it did deal, it, it did open up with him in costume, uh, dealing with a couple of uh, robbers shooting crazy machine guns at him. And, and then you uh, remember earlier when I said that Bendis wasn't turned up to 10 what, with the Superman issues that I was reading at first. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's gone up a little bit now. Like it's definitely more bent, more of Bendis as a writer has slowly seeped in to the books, I think. Uh, and also uh, to everybody home, I would like to apologize for the in the background now, but I need it. We've been going for oh, two fam- hours and it is so yeah. fucking hot in here. Yeah, no, I, yeah. It will it will come across in the recording, and I apologize for that, but I fucking need this. You need it to get through the recording, so yeah, that's understandable. Um, yeah, I mean, for instance, uh, there's an exchange between the two guys as they're shooting Superman, and he's just slowly walking towards them because he's blocking all the bullets, and obviously they're not doing anything. And the two guys are just yelling at each other. They're like, stop. And the other guy's like, I'm trying as he's shooting him. And he's like, you're still doing it. He's like, I can't stop myself. He's like, you're embarrassing me. You're embarrassing both of us. And he's like, ah, and he's like, the guy's like, I want, he's like, I want a lawyer. <laughs> and then Superman's just like all calm and shit. He's like, oh, you're out of ammo. Oh, great. He's like, hey, question for you. 
<laughs> oh, great. I think I have he, some of your bullets in my ear. Anywho. Yeah, yeah. He So basically... Let's pontificate for three hours. Yeah. What's been happening uh, that started in Superman was that um, there was these... I told you my conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's been, uh, there's been yeah, these fires that have been starting uh, around um, Metropolis. Uh, and at the end of, I think, Superman, the last issue, which kind of led into this, there's this storyline, uh, some little kid went up to the uh, the fire chief, who was that hot fire chief I, I told you guys about in the Man yeah, of Steel. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, 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 Superman side piece. Yeah. Melody or whatever, the Melody Moore, yeah, who, the redhead. That, like, oh, yes, the alliteration, wrong in the letters. <laughs> Superman, okay, only, Superman only goes after L's. Right. <laughs> Lana Lang, Lois Lane, yeah. Lori Lamaris, yeah. Lex Luthor. He's he's moving down the alphabet now. He's not Mel- so it's still his <laughs> side piece though. I was not yeah. wrong in saying it's his side piece. No, There's the, definitely some the, flirtation going on. Yeah, there. which there is, is fucking retarded. Yeah. Cause Lois ain't dead. She's on it's, a trip with their son. Here's the thing. Un- unless, unless super unless suck, I, unless like ben, ben, when Ben started writing Superman, he all of a sudden got like some weird fucking sex need. <laughs> this ain't Clark. Here's the thing, and as stupid as that is, I'm with you, but at the same time, it's an avenue I'm interested to go down, actually. I wouldn't mind seeing maybe something like where he questions himself. You want you want to you want to see Superman get into polygamy? No, I want him to question himself and actually be interested in another woman though. Just big love but with emotion. Big love but with Superman. Big love, yeah, yeah. Many many wives. <laughs> no, I you know, I, I don't know. I just I I, I think it is a human emotion that it would be interesting to see um, him looking at another woman or thinking about another woman. Because, listen, I, 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 even though he is an alien, if they want to go the route like, you know, he's fucking human, then yeah. that is a regular thing that happens. So I'm like, mainly I, against it because if they do that, then it opens up the possibility of him hitting on Wonder Woman again. Yeah. No, I don't want that. No one wants that. No <laughs> yeah. one wants that except for the people in charge of D.C., Maybe yeah. Batman will hit on Wonder Woman again. Then we can get something good out of Batman right. 50. That'll never happen because <laughs> as far as I can tell, Wonder Woman is the only one who's allowed to have a happy relationship. That actually already did happen during the Tom King run where uh, they almost made a move on each other in that dimension. That they yeah, the, yeah, there was a there I was a bit. It was just kind of like a joking thing. We're like, Haha, no. no, no, it was. No, it was very real. They, they joked. They, they like laughed it off as a joke thing, but yeah. it was there. There. Yeah. Well, I, like, both, like both of them, both of their armors went ting there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That was a, that did happen. Yeah. Um, anyways. Uh, so, yeah. So basically a little kid went up to her at the end of the la- uh, Superman issue and said, um, hey, I know who's been starting these fires around Metropolis, which has been like this mystery that's been going on, uh, which actually they even brought Batman in. And he busted out his detective skills in the Superman issue. It was actually pretty fun. Yeah, it, like it was, like, it was like a great. It's like, like, like the two of them were just kind of talking, and yeah. like Melody and Superman talk, just kind of talking, and then just Batman just is there. Yeah, yeah. Like, just oh, like, Jesus, where'd you come from? The, the funny Batman route, which many people don't, but he did, and I actually enjoyed it. Well, <laughs> so, it, yeah. it, it was it was funny by way of just having other people react to Batman being Batman. Yeah, like it, Batman wasn't out there cracking jokes or whatever. He just he was just being entirely himself. Yeah, but there was that moment where he was talking to the the fire chief, and and uh, he was like, he's like, well, you know, uh, if you actually map out the locations of these fires, you could probably find out uh, if there's a pattern. He's like, once the uh, the the penguin did it, or something. 
whatever. He's like, he's like, he's like telling her how he came up with like, you know, like past cases and stuff like that. Yeah, I just he, thought it was he, funny. Yeah. He saw how she was looking at Superman and then felt a bit inadequate, so he was trying to step his game up. He's trying to impress her. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he's his like, wife. I, I mean his fiance that. just left. I mean he's a rebound. Otherwise, he's gonna go dissecting monsters again. Yeah, I thought that was funny. Um, so yeah, so it, it, the kid said that she, he found he thinks it was Superman. He saw him starting the fires. Oh my god! And he, yeah, so he confronts him about it in this. Uh, he, he goes to the kid's school and asks about it, and then he actually brings the kid to the the fire chief because she is the one who told him that he said that and that he was now a suspect. And the kid admitted that some guy basically paid him off for him to say that. And he's like, well, you know, uh, who was it? Can you let me know? And and uh, he tried to get information out of them, but he's like, he couldn't really help him out with it. He he gave him some details, and then he ran this stuff through the computer. And then once again, a very bendisty thing to do. There is a full page spread of about like twelve different faces in the database of bald villains. Uh, Lex Luthor's there. Um, fucking what's his, Hugo Strange is there. Yeah, Hugo Strange, and then Savannah. Mixed, yeah, and then mixed in with the images is Dan DiDio. <laughs> <laughs> And then Bendis with an eye patch. <laughs> oh, Dan DiDio, history's greatest monster. Yeah. So again, that's a very Bendisy type fucking thing to do with all like the panels and the and the joke and all that. So I I I liked it. I must say I, I did get a kick out of it. Um. Anyways, the villain at the end, you find out it's like these gang of villains and some fucking guy that's like some woman that's like on fire, like she's literally made out of fire, <laughs> and I'm guessing she's the one. That's been starting the fires. That whole part was kind I'm of. I'm the stupid. Superman equivalent of the first victim. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That was that. That was the Batman uh, yeah. person, right? Yeah, yeah. from from the uh, um, from the League of Victims. Yeah, so that whole thing didn't look promising. I thought it was kind of smart because all the villains they met inside of an actual um, big like. What is it that he can't see through steel, lead. or what is it that lead? Lead. So they yeah. so so they all look through. Uh, they all went to meet each other, these villains, in this big lead, um, like, big container. Oh, they better be careful, man. So they, they might get brain damage. <laughs> so they they basically went in there so so Superman would not be able to hear them and or see them, apparently, is what their excuse was. So yeah. I thought, it's, you it's, know, it's, it was kind of... Uh, uh, for... To an extent, I understand that, but at the same time, right. it's like Superman is scanning the city. It's like, oh, I'm trying to find these villains. I can't find them. All I can see is this large, giant bunker made entirely out of lead. Yeah. <laughs> at which right. point, Batman of the animated series would tell Superman, well, there's always the director. <laughs> yeah. So Superman just fucking uh, rips, it, rips the fucking thing in half, and then it goes, all right, guys, let's go in. So, so well, that's trumpets, I don't know. It's like, you know, lead's bad <laughs> so, for your health, right? <laughs> So those are the things I liked about the issue on top of the fucking it's great to see Gleason back on art on a Superman book. Uh, you had Patrick Gleason drawing this. He stole mm. him away from uh, Tomasi. I know uh, that's kind of disappointing, but uh, Tomasi is going to be starting detective soon uh, in a few months. Uh, yeah, and we announced. still have that Super Sons 12 issue. Right. So you're going to get plenty of Gleason, uh, you know, with Tomasi. But uh, it was nice to see him on art in this book, though. It looked fantastic as usual. Um, the, th the thing that annoyed me about this issue, though, well, I guess it is very true to real life at this moment, is that there's a very annoying uh, hipster girl at the planet. <laughs> Yay. That's the, that's the gossip uh, reporter that is basically keeps uh, 
browbeating like super uh, Clark Kent. Oh in this my issue. god! Hashtag Superman problems. Yeah, she keeps bothering him because she's trying to get the inf- a dish about the um, in her gossip ca- column about uh, Lois Lane, the rumor that she left Clark Kent. Ah, oh, fuck. So who the yeah. fuck cares? Yeah. So that that is like, an ongoing storyline. Like, I'm, ask- like, I'm, ask- I'm asking this in all seriousness, like. Who, like, if, if you, you, like, if you, if the fucking people at home, anybody listening to this, if you heard that your local newspaper reporter broke up with her husband, right, would you care? No. Would you, would, or would you be more surprised about the fact that you have a local newspaper? <laughs> right. The only thing I can think of that in that case to justify that is the idea that Lois Lane was fucking Superman on the side. So everyone thought that like Superman is what came between Clark and Lois. But yeah, like, that doesn't sound it, like what they went with. So yeah, it just if sounds it, if lame. it was that, if if it was <sighs> like, yo, fucking star reporter Lois Lane went off no, to boink the man of steel. No, hold on. Birdie's right. That is the excuse she comes up with. That does happen in this issue. She does. See, but that, that. See, the problem is that I predicted that, and I have right. <laughs> no, you're right. But no, then but also, that, but that, also the problem of then where the fuck is she? Yeah, it's like, well, hey, you're having sex with the Man of Steel. So what? Do you live in the Arctic now? <laughs> yeah. No, like I said, I thought this part was cold when you fuck down there. Stupid. Yeah, like it's all, it's all it's all like it's all glass on ice. It's like, it's like, I thought it was called the Fortress of Solitude for a reason. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it got a bit awkward when our first time when I accidentally thrust too hard and fractured her hips. <laughs> After that, she was on top. Yeah. Um, Remember that time I screamed her name and I dropped an icicle by accident? Yeah. It also got, it also so got she, a bit rough when I accidentally tore some of her, some of her ass skin off when she when I put her down an accident, when I put her down <laughs> an iceberg and she got stuck. Oh, God. Yeah, so she harasses him to the point where Eve's well, she's like, I heard through a very good source that she left you for Superman. If that's the case, I understand why. And he's like, he's like, I'll, I'll talk to you later. And he just fucking walks off. And she's like, guess she likes the big boys. <laughs> I was like, well, that's just fucking annoying. Yeah, and this is, and this is modern day Superman art, where where Clark Kent is the exact same as Superman. Yeah, pretty much. He's he's fucking huge in this panel. Yeah, like like in the fucking olden days, they at least had the excuse of like you were a strangely well built man for a full time. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like oh you oh it's like oh Lois Lane was dating Clark Kent, a man built like I, a brick shit house, and then she left him for I, Superman, a man built like a brick shit house. She you know, must like you know, the strong guys to leave him for that weak willed fucking whatever. You know who depicted that the best though? I think out of any of the artists that. Superman things. I read Frank quietly in All Star Superman. The yeah. way he made him look in that, like how bumbly oh, and like oh how yeah, much oh yeah, just was, the entire, was all the body great. language was entirely changed. Like the clothes, yes. his hunched overness, the way that he got, like, the way that he always had like yes. one hand on his head. He was always fixing his glasses. Like you know what I mean? Yes, yeah, it, it felt like a different person. Yeah, absolutely. And no he one has drawn him that good since. No. No, absolutely not. Every I, single person who's say. drawn him has drawn him the exact same as both Clark Kent and Superman, but people say, oh, Clark, you fucking weaselly old nerdlinger fucking asshole. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, I'm, yes, in the frame that we're in, you are literally three times the size of me, both in height and width, but fuck you. <laughs> you have glasses, you fucking dork. Go get me a coffee so, and write up, a, write up an article about the local football team, you <laughs> shitlord. 
<laughs> Whoa, so much vitriol. Great Caesar's um, ghost, Kent. You fuck me. <laughs> you fuck me on anyway, this one. Anyways, action and Superman by Bendis. I have been enjoying and reading, but again, I'm not the hugest Superman guy. I have been reading his stuff over the last couple of years with Tomasi. I, I generally do. I am a Bendis supporter, even though he has a lot of haters. Uh, so DC may not be too thrilled with him at the moment, supposedly, but I am having a fun time reading these so far. So they're not bad. I think if you're a casual Superman reader, this would probably be more for you. Hey, you fuck um, casual. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't know how like the hardcore fans of, a, of Superman are, if they're excited by the fact that, or interested in this take on Superman like Bendis has been writing. Because he's definitely in there changing a lot of things and putting his fingerprints all over everything. Well, you know I'll head I mean? to the like, subreddit so. and see what the three people there think. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> all right. All right, then. Based on, based on other shows we've been progressing, it'll be a five-hour-long show. Fuck. Yeah. So, I'm going to my next book, Analog. Uh, so this is a new book by uh, Gary Duggan. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a three-issues-deep as, as, as far as I am right now. And it's interesting. Mm-hmm. So, you remember the... Remember the uh, fuck, what's his name? Uh, Brian... Uh, he made Runaways. Brian K. Vaughn. Brian K. Vaughn. Yeah. Yeah. The Brian K. Vaughn series, Private Eye. Yep. It's a similar idea to that. Oh, okay. Cool. Like the um, that the uh, the cloud crash. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and everyone's data got out there into the world. Uh, but whereas with that one, they started going way more into personal security technology and like developing the masks and stuff. Uh, with this, they went they went back in time. So. Oh. Yeah, okay. to, to like like there now is like no internet. There isn't really any cell phones. Basically, everybody has a landline again, and most like uh and pretty much all like information transfer is done in hard copies. And if you want something like really sensitive or legal transferred, you hire a ledger man, who is a who is essentially a courier. Yeah, he, he's like an, he's like a courier slash a assassin kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Who he has a he has a briefcase he's given a briefcase doesn't look doesn't know what's inside it doesn't care what's inside it goes to location gives you know a phrase to another guy then if it's then if it's met with a proper response phrase hands it over and then he leaves anybody who starts to fuck with them they die and that is our main guy Jack McGinnis mm. he is a ledger man uh, one of the better ones uh, who just got back from a job uh, in Russia I believe. And then things start going to shit as he is then attacked by government agents who try to recruit him so that they can get their hands on the information that he's carrying. Uh, he is, uh, yeah, he's approached by a lady who is only really, who's only referred to as Aunt Sam. You get it? Yes. It's, it's like, it's like, it's like uncle. It's like, uh. Uncle, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so, yeah, so she is like, hey, Fucking come with me. We need to get this shit done. And she reveals that she has like this army of like fucking tens of thousands of photocopiers <laughs> and is essentially trying to get all the all the ledger men out there to like under her umbrella so that she can rebuild like some kind of criminal database based on the information that they carry. Hmm. And it's, and it's a it's like a noir story of like with with noir with like with the noir um like oh like a narration from it all, uh, okay. but but with not really a, not not really a noir art style. 
Okay. Like, our main guy is very noir. He is mm-hmm. this fucking, like, square jaw, constant five o'clock shadow, wearing, like, mm. a, wearing a fucking trench coat and suit. Yeah, I'm reading this. This sounds good. I haven't been right. I haven't read it yet, but I'm definitely going to check this out. I like the yeah. of this. And, yeah, it's, it's just kind of him as his life gets, like, progressively worse and worse. Uh, just mm. dealing, just dealing with, um, dealing with Aunt Sam and getting like deeper into this shit. Um, and with like the last couple of issues, it's been mainly focusing his relationship with a woman named Una, who is a hit man, I think mm-hmm. as he is, like I said, just kind of getting more and more into this fucking job. But there, but there is kind of a great thing here where, uh, where we're like he gets he gets he gets his next job he gets a briefcase and then he gets picked up by Aunt Sam's people mm-hmm. and taken to the photocopy bay and and she's like all right so yeah you, you once you get, once you get a thing we'll bring you in we'll photocopy your data and you can go on go on your way and they open up the briefcase and she just starts fucking cussing him out because it's real to real tapes it's like fucking film tapes okay <laughs> she's like, she's like what the fuck is this shit <laughs> yeah, yeah and jack's like well might as well might as well photocopy this shit dude <laughs> like i don't fucking like you're the you're the fucking dumbass who assumed we used paper oh i dig the art i'm looking at it right now yeah, yeah, it, it's, yeah it's got it's, it's got a really it's got a really uh style to it looks like kind of yeah real simple art know. style that relies more on like shading Mm-hmm. Than the actual quality art itself, which the, the art all our quality is fine. It you know wavers a bit here and there, but I, I get where you're coming from, though. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not very stylistic in the sense that. Uh, yeah, you wouldn't see this on a superhero title. Looks like no. This this, this, David, this, yeah. this is a, this is an art style that works. It works decently for uh, for like a more like neo noirish story. Mm. No, this looks right up my alley. I'm gonna read this. Yeah, how, and it, how, and it is. How, so the writing is good because all I've read from Jerry Duggan, I think it's super stuff. Like this is like a like image. Book, yeah, yeah, right? the, like, yeah. I like I like this. Um, it is. Hmm. It, it is it is very writing intensive because it is more like the noir style of things. So it is a lot hmm. of internal monologue and like Jack reacting to things inside his own head. Mm-hmm. And I think it all works. It it paints a very unique future. Because like when I first started reading it, I didn't know it was the future. Mm-hmm. Because it because there isn't well, there wasn't really a whole lot of things that looked that different. It was just kind of what it was. But then as things progress, right. you see no flying cars. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but as, as things progress, you see that there are robots and stuff. Like the end of the third issue, um, oh, we get okay. we get like a full panel spread that shows two robots walking a dog and Roombas on the fucking sidewalk cleaning up their dog shit as some guy walks over with VR glasses. Right. But it's like the title is this weirdly analog future that. That you don't see a lot. Like it, once the idea that once like the internet crashes, things either the, the usual the usual way that you go with that is things either go super sci-fi like Private Eye or the apocalypse. It's mm-hmm. never like technology. It's never like the society kind of reverts in technology by about twenty years. Mm-hmm. Ah, this looks good. Yeah, and the Ledger Men as a concept, I think, work. Like they're always couriers for information and. Them just them they are just a very natural thing for this world. Um, I Aunt Sam is decent as an antagonist right now. Uh, she's kind of the only real antagonist we have. And and yeah, yeah, she has like the whole like government spook thing of like fucking art like ages like legion of like a legion of fucking minions who will just go out there and do all that shit. But the minions are all human, 
they all like feel human. Like when they are, when they kidnap him in the third issue to take him there, one of the guys is like, do you really need to back him? I mean, he knows where we're going. And I was like, shut up, Dave, or whatever. <laughs> and they get there, he's like, wow, what a fucking surprise. I'm here. And then Aunt Sam is just, what the fuck is this bullshit? Fuck you, you jackass. And yeah, it's just a really, it's a really simple noir story with a, with a unique enough setting and some solid writing that I am, I'm into this. Yeah, yeah, so that I I, that's Animal. I think I'm gonna pick up the trade of this. This looks fucking awesome. All right, cool. Nice. Yeah, so uh, that's it, Birdie. All right. I have well, some I kind of I have some kind of small fly that is flying within two inches of my monitor, and it's fucking annoying me. I watched the trailer, by the way, the Titans trailer. Okay, let's talk about that. <laughs> yeah, very quickly. Uh, yeah, it, 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 you talking the part where he says "fuck that." <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's what sold people on this trailer for those who were sold on this trailer. Yeah, like th- there, there are legitimately people who I've seen watch that we're trailer and go, oh, that, that looked awesome. <laughs> like uh, like the yeah. fucking Fine Brothers, they did like a they did like an adults react or whatever to this thing, like all the Comic-Con yeah. trailers. Well, uh, you know, you should put you should really put adults in quotations when you're talking about reacting to this dead man. But Well, well no, no, like, that, here's the thing. It was... It was like a bunch of parents, like a bunch of 30 and 40 year olds. And then yeah. one guy who came over from teens react, who is the most fucking shit Lord. Fuck this fucking piece of shit. <laughs> asshole. Yeah. Like, like there, there was a bit like he was on, he was on a fucking episode where they were talking about fucking epic rap battles of history when that was a thing. Okay. And it was the Bill Gates versus Steve Jobs one, and Hal two thousand, sh- like Hal two thousand, showed up from uh, Space Odyssey, right? Or like Hal nine thousand, yeah, Hal nine thousand from two thousand one. Sorry, right? But yeah, yeah. So he shows up, and then this kid is just like, "Oh, yeah, it's Hal from Space Odyssey two thousand one," and he just stares at camera, nodding his head, waiting for approval from an audience that can't give it to him. And so, and so then, and so then he watches that trailer, gets to the end where it does like the whole fucking shatter thing of Titans, and then he looks to camera and goes, "That that literally gave me chills." And I'm like, "Fuck you! <laughs> you fucking like the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie, didn't you, shit fucker?" There's also the part where I think it's Raven who's like something about like the darkness and how it feels good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the thing. She, she she's like, "There's I have this darkness inside me, and sometimes it feels good." And then cut to the worst special effects ever. Yeah, it, it definitely was like some funny, like shitty heavy rock in the background. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it wasn't even heavy rock. It, it was it whatever was, it, it was. was. Like an, it was like an Evanescence cover band trying to write their own material. Yeah, this, this would be the kind of the kind of rock music Batman would hate. Unfortunate son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I've seen it now, and yeah, that was great. <laughs> Since none of us are racist, what do you think of Starfire's outfit? Oh, uh, the look you're talking of about Starfire. the photos that were shown. No, I'm talking about the trailer. Prior? They they show her in the trailer. I didn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I no, not a fan. I'm not a fan I, of any uh, of this. They, it all looks terrible. Yeah. Like like the yeah, but like, the, 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 like none of the others, none of the, nothing else about this trailer has prompted 
SJW people to scream racist when we say we don't like how Starfire looks. You'd think they would. You think they would like at some point somebody would jump on the Beast Boy train because the fucking big criticism with him is he looks like a K-pop member. Here, here's the thing, though. A lot of those aren't even familiar with the material, though, and they're just trying to act offended to be offended for something to do. A lot of the yeah, time, like, 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 like that's like, like very, very, very few people hate the Starfire in this because she is black. Yeah, no, I, I can't. Like, I don't we, care. We hate it, we like, hate it because uh, yeah. the costume designer was a fucking, like, was raised on lead paint, and the writers have never read a Teen Titans comic. Yeah, I don't know. It like, didn't look they don't good, even know what Starfire it. does. She burns people? No. <laughs> like, yeah, her hair's kind of on fire, but she's mostly energy blasts. Mm-hmm. Fuck Batman. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Bertie, go ahead. Well, actually, before we move on from that, have you seen the Shazam trailer? No. I, I These were all... D- well, then, while Bertie's talking about that, you'll watch, the, you'll watch the Shazam trailer. <laughs> all right. Yeah, these were all ones that were shown. That and uh, Aquaman were all shown in San Diego, I believe, right? Who gives right? a fuck about Aquaman? Okay. <laughs> like, I like Aquaman. Who gives a fuck about the movie Aquaman? <laughs> yeah, like, I like Aquaman. I like James Wan. I don't care about bro. Yeah. So anyway, um, and I will correct myself from what I said before this. You are right, Nico. The the name, the title of the series I'm reading is called Queen and Country from Greg Rucka. It's just that in the in the comic itself, they say for Queen and Country a lot. So oh, I got okay, confused. Yeah, yeah no worries. No, I know that. No, it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, but I I know that. Yeah, that is a phrase that the uh, uh, they use in that in yeah. that organization. Yeah, absolutely. Right, but yeah, sorry, go on. So this is a Greg Rucka uh, release from Oni Press, who, as a publisher, I've never been able to get a clear reading on because they're not like they're not dynamite where no, they either no. release boobs or crap, and they're not right. Zenoscope who only release boobs or crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oni Press is real weird. Like th- their big books are Scott Pilgrim. And Invader Zim. And uh, the sixth gun. Six six gun, yeah, exactly. Those are those are their three claims to fame. Those are the three books people are likely to know of from Oni Press. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not to say there aren't others, but every company has the books they're known for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway, um, so, uh, Queen and Country is a series of black and white, really short graphic novels released with by Greg Rucka and uh, animated, not animated, illustrated by, what is this person's name? Because, like, I think they have different um, inkers, since it's black and white, for each, for different, but the, 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 the uh, principal penciler is Brian Hurt. Yeah, of Six Gun. Yeah, Six Gun. Yeah. Uh, worked on a lot of shit, like Darkest Hour, Birds mm-hmm. of Prey with Gail Simone, Gotham Central, briefly. So, yeah, really good stuff. Um, and this is a political spy thriller and, like, an ongoing spy thriller. Because that's the thing. I've read two volumes of this, and the degree of continuity across it is probably the thing I like the most about it. Because this is a series of like on and off spy adventures featuring a group of MI6 operatives. 
And specifically, the character they focus on the most is a character called a Minder, who is like a field agent named Tara Chase. And when we first meet her, uh, she is in Kosovo assassinating a Russian mob head at the behest of her boss. Uh, unfortunately, she's doing it illegally because um, uh, uh, Her Majesty's Secret Service did not approve this operation, but CIA asked uh, MI6 to do this as a favor. So her boss and lover asked her to do this. I can see this going nowhere but good places. She succeeds in, in pulling off the assassination attempt, but uh, the extrication goes a little awry when she gets shot in the leg and has to kind of... She manages to, to finagle her way out, but enough people remember her face that when uh, the guy she assassinated's Russian mob buddies show up looking, they find out who she is relatively easily. Very nice. So the Russian mob then sends a missile, a, sends a random guy to launch a rocket at MI6's uh, offices and then post a $1 million bounty on Tara Chase's head. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah. So her boss, um, have you read this, Nico? Yeah. Okay, so you know what's going to happen. So that... Her boss wants, like, authorization to kill the people who come after her because they attacked a MI6 building and because they're threatening her, their operatives. Uh, the boss doesn't want them to, both because the domestic branch of Her Majesty's Intelligence Service, MI5, wants to capture the Russian mobsters for, like, intel gathering and different deals with different allied states. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but also because... The assassination they pulled was illegal anyway, so armed retaliation by... Because MI6 is supposed to be like the CIA and for the U.S., where they're not supposed to pull off operations on domestic soil. Mm. Like, they can, but they're not supposed to. Right. Yeah, I mean, if they, if they, if they do essentially gone rogue... Like, isn't that the case? Like, yeah, they, like they... Yeah, yeah, the, off the grid. The, the government... The government operative directive for the right. CIA and for MI6 is that you have authorization to pull off operations on foreign soil, not domestic soil. Right, right. Domestic operations, uh, in the case of the U.S. and uh, Britain, are, are either at the FBI or MI5. Mm -hmm. And the MI5 director wants to, because Tara Chase is a known quantity now and wants, and uh, Russian mobsters want to pay a lot of money to kill her, MI5 wants to use her as unarmed bait to lure out the mobsters who to try to kill her, mm -hmm. arrest them, and then pump them from information. Mm -hmm. So Tara, to, since there are eight volumes and Tara's the main character, suffice to say Tara survives the attempt. But um, it, between the fact that she had never been asked to just flat out assassinate someone before and mm -hmm. the constant threats on her life and the stress of being watched and used as a, as a tool has drained her to the point where she of her own volition goes to see the MI, the MI6 uh, psychologist at the end of at the beginning of volume two. Like she asks about her, about the MI6 of a psychologist um, at the end of, of the first volume, but she doesn't go and see her until the beginning of volume two. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, volume two is interesting in that our main character is stuck in the office because the main spy operation going on in volume two takes place in Afghanistan pre 9-11. So it's Taliban and high tension. So, so a woman's not really gonna fit in, in a clandestine operation in uh, Taliban controlled Afghanistan. So she's stuck at home trying to talk out her various feelings about the fact that, she no longer feels comfortable with what she was forced to do for the sake of MI6. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if it's in these ones that you're talking about, but in one of the stories, because I read the whole series, it's been some yeah, time I'm ago. Yeah, a collectible series, because, but I, I might wait a little while, because these first two volumes I got piece, mm-hmm. and that's relatively cheap, but like $6 a piece, there's one thing I will warn people about if they want to collect this series. The vo- individual volumes are relatively short, Mm. They're like 100 and 120 pages, which for a collected volume is not that much. Yeah. But they're pretty dense, I think. While yeah, it's that. pretty dense with yeah. story. And for a black and white sort of simplistic art style from a lesser known indie indie publisher, it's actually pretty good art, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But all I was going to say is I don't know if it's in the, the two stories that you read here, but they're as the series goes on, like the things that she's, uh, the missions that she set out to do definitely takes her, the, her, the, her, the toll on her. Like you could see her kind of mentally like losing it, like halfway yeah. through, like this, like every mission when she comes back and she survives the ordeal, it's, it, uh, it kind of, you know, yeah. it does a number on well, her. Well, unfortunately, on. based on what I've read of the series so far, she's stuck with that horrible blend of, the job is no longer emotionally fulfilling for her right. and she has nothing else to fall back on because she was fucking her boss who is married and that never goes over well, particularly in the spy world. And right. she has no friends outside of work as far as I can tell from what I've read. And the only person she has to talk about these problems, which I think the implication is any fully functioning spy agency wouldn't have these problems mm-hmm. uh, is the psychologist who points out to her, you're probably right. more human, not okay with the fact that you had to on government sanction, blow a guy's head off <laughs> illegally across uh, international borders. And it's pretty gory too, for like a black and white comic with really simplistic art style. When she like, snipes a guy in the head or when she gets shot in the in the lower thigh and is like limping and bleeding profusely it's pretty graphic and you get the sense of what happened or like at the end of the first volume when she when two russian mobsters attack her from both sides with like uzis and by sheer luck one bullet that only goes through her jacket and misses her blows the guy behind her's brains out (laughs) yeah and it's not like one of those like Jesus Christ moments. It's just when the people pr- supposed to be protecting her show up, they point out that, yeah, a lot of guys think that if you just spray and pray with automatic weapons, like in the movies, you'll hit something. A lot of times you won't. Yeah, like, right. you'll, you'll, like you'll just swing your fucking, you'll swing your shit around for like 15 seconds before your, before your bullets run out and then just you're fucked. Yeah, and... In terms of, like, it, since you're dealing with spy agency stuff, it, obviously a lot of it is very more 
gray. But um, there's a weird, particularly in the first volume, there's a weird thing about like trying to figure out which branch of uh, British intelligence are the bigger assholes. Right. <laughs> right. Because on the one hand, you have uh, MI6, who our main character works for, who illegally assassinated a guy because for as a favor for the CIA. And then when they are attacked by Russian mobsters, uh, his response is, scorched earth, I'm killing all these fuckers who attacked us, even if it's on British soil and we're not supposed to do that. So you're like, okay, this guy gives no respect, has no respect or desire to follow the rule of law. So why should I trust him? But at the same time, um, MI five, the guy who wants to arrest these terrorists and like pump them for information, mm-hmm. seems to give very few shits if any officers for MI six die in the process of of catching these mobsters in the act. Mm-hmm. And like he keeps maneuvering behind MI six's back to make sure that these criminals were were supposed to hate never see a trial or get any kind of punishment. They just, you know, go through the imprisonment and interrogation process. Mm. I, I also found, at least for me, I don't know if you felt the same way, Bertie, that I recall after the first couple of volumes, I kind of got into it more and was able to better understand it. But Greg Rucka is the type of writer, like even if you look at things like Lazarus, that they're so well researched and he knows so much about yeah, those no, kind of like, things. The language, like the language that the MI6 agents use, like while talking to each other about like, you know, just the lingo of, of their missions. It takes a little while to kind of get used to. Yeah, uh, yeah like, there's, I mean, there's the element of British slang and not just British slang, but like British sl- spy, uh, spy right. slang. Right. So unless you're like already familiar with that kind of stuff, yeah. I feel that it was kind of get the rhythm of it, I think. But once you do. Yeah. It, and uh, the term minders is actually the by British intelligence for like active special forces operatives. So that's, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it feels very realistic, not well realistic in the sense that you believe these characters, the situations they're in and their connection mm-hmm. to the real world. Um, it's very clearly set in that like late nineties, early two thousands period where mm-hmm. the Soviet union has collapsed, but nine 11 hasn't happened yet. So the spy thing hasn't completely changed yet, right. but it, the tensions are there. You see where things are probably going. Um, more than anything, what I like most about uh, this series is that tar chase does not strike me as like a, um, She's not like a Black Widow type or like a James Bond type. She seems like a very normal person. Like she's she's attractive, but not like overly so. She's very down to earth, very like worn down. She drinks constantly and she you see her laying in a pool of bottles and like take out food in her apartment when she's stressed out about knowing Russian mobsters are pointing rockets at her house. Mm. It's a. It gives it a very down to earth feel that I think Greg Rucka tends to get a lot of stories, even if it's whether it's sci fi or just like political thriller like this. Yeah, yeah. That's why I kind of like him better than a similar writer who came up around the same time in comics, Brad Meltzer, because Meltzer. Oh, identity crisis guy. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I was. <laughs> I was going to try not to mention that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 
he's got some stories that work out okay, but a lot of the time he somehow in attempt to fit mood goes for implausible. Oh, so identity like, crisis. Like, yeah, I was, I was <laughs> again, I was trying not to mention identity crisis, but even his non-identity crisis stories have tendencies to get preposterously stupid in an attempt to fit the mood he wants to make. Remember that time the uh, guest stroke took out the entire justice by himself? <laughs> He's so fast, he can stab you fast with a sword. I still don't get why people love that book, but I'm not here to talk about it. I yes, think it's the artwork. Please don't. <laughs> it, uh, maybe it's maybe that's a good to bad and to fuck thing. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's, probably a, that's probably a to bad. <laughs> but I mean I will say this for like very basic like backgrounds are there but not necessarily all that well detailed uh, black and white artwork from a less known artist this is really good art for affecting mood and getting emotional expressions across like as simplest as simplistic as the black and white artwork is you see every expression that our main character has where she is just burned out <laughs> Right, like angry and depressed and worried that she doesn't have a soul anymore and she's constantly trying to hold on to that and that emotional weight comes through through the writing which Greg Rook has always been a good writer particularly female characters yeah, and the art so I don't know if the Oni Press sale from Comixology where I got this is still ongoing but if it ever comes back when these volumes of 112 pages roughly are $2 a piece and there's only eight of them, I would say collect them. Well, already. Yeah. Another thing, I don't know if they're currently in print anymore, but those were collected within four, four uh, volumes, which I think they were two in one, the volumes. Uh, yeah, that would make sense. Too, Cause like the small ones, you, you'd be harder to sell which those I, individually mm-hmm. at this point. If you were to yeah. sell them again, you'd want to collect them. I own them, but I bought them a long, long time ago. I don't know if they're still in print. Sometimes these lesser-known series, uh, uh, it my good, looks good like they might be. Okay. Uh, all the yeah, all the definitive volumes are on sale. That's the ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Queen and Country definitive one. volumes yeah. one through four are pretty cheap on Amazon. Okay, cool. Actually. Yeah, if you want, if you want to get like physical copies of it, they're twenty bucks each. Yeah, yeah, definitely one of the best things I, I, I've read by Greg. Yeah, uh, maybe not the best thing I've read by Greg Rucka, but I have kind of high standards for Greg Rucka between his Wonder Woman stuff and uh, sure, and uh, I can't I say the title uh, the image book with Lazarus. The, Lazarus, Lazarus, yeah. No, I prefer Lazarus over this as, as well. But I, um, I, uh, I, th- I, I think Queen Country's it actually gets better as it goes on. Believe it as well. I think yeah, that no, like stuff- that's the thing. Uh, that's the thing that makes me want to collect the rest of it and. Sometimes yeah. when you get when you get to the end of a first volume where that says I want to seek therapy after the conclusion of the story, <laughs> things have right. kind of wrapped up. You're like, okay, so that might come up later, but it yeah. might not. But like the, for the like one of the first things that comes up in the second volume to be dealing with the fact that I murdered this guy on government sanction and I don't feel good about it. That was an impressive level of continuity to mm. me for a spy story in a comic. Mm. But that's that might just be me. I don't know. Alrighty then. So, uh, Nika. Yeah. So, so, are you either of you guys going to read the next? Are planning on reading the next Spencer Spider-Man? Uh, yeah. Quick question. Maybe. Okay. okay. Um, I'll say w- one thing. Uh, yeah, because oh, I, I, really... I forgot. I forgot. Greg Rucka wrote the 
uh, collected Batwoman series. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's that was it. really good. Yeah. Allergy. Yeah. Um, okay. So because we ran long on time here, I'm not yeah, going to. Sorry. I'm gonna, I, no, no, it's okay. No, it's all of us, really. Um, yeah, so, we went off a lot. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to defer to hopefully, Deadman, if you're going to read this, we can get into more depth in this because I actually would like some other thoughts as well uh, uh, from someone who's read these issues. Um, I will say, uh, we're three issues in. The third one actually just came out this week. I am loving it so far. I'm not going to be talking about the third one. I'm going to talk about these first two. I'm 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 really enjoying it so far, uh, which I'm glad because Nick Spencer's usually hot or cold with me. I, I usually love something he does or, or don't. Uh, with with, I, with Nick I, Spencer, he has had a lo- he's had a rough couple of years. Absolutely, but like, like he that, like he like he was really strong with uh, with like Superior Foes, and yeah. did he do not so did much he do the, cap? Did he do the Sam Wilson cap? He did. I thought. That one was okay for yeah. the first little bit. That, that, that one had like that one had a really good start. 10, 15 issues. Yeah. But then But then as soon as the Secret Empire happened. started, yes, exactly. As soon as Secret Empire uh, happened and then the other cat book started, that's when that one went off the rails as well. I agree. The start of Sam Wilson was pretty good. I, I really enjoyed it. Um but Cap Wolf. Yeah, that's right. I remember we talked about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um but yeah, but this book even though he's basically stepping away completely from what Slot established, which I think is the right move because Slot was on his fucking book for so long. Um, I will say that one of the first things that he does in this is that Mary Jean and him are back together. And although I'm loving, loving the Otley art, because I love Otley. I loved him on Invincible. Yeah, it's fucking Otley, dude. Hard, I'm having a hard time, though, seeing not seeing invincible in the <laughs> art in this book i will tell you right now uh and, and mary jane looks like a fucking redheaded adam eve <laughs> so like adam eve was redhead no no she was oh yeah so yeah that's she, she looks, looks like, like adam eve <laughs> sorry I, I for some reason i was thinking of blonde um yeah no you're right so she looks like her i'm having a really fucking hard time not not uh, thinking of her well you I would be her. it's it's like he did the book uh, for yeah, so long. Yeah, Otley yeah, was on that I mean, book for like over a hundred issues, man. It's right. it's hard not that, to immediately associate his style with his right. previous characters. That's why I'm not trying to say that I didn't I don't like the art, because I'm loving the art. But it's still taking me a little while. It's gonna take me a little while, I think, to actually Yeah, you you need you need like a couple issues, maybe like a trade in order to like fully Right, right. Like disassociate that art style from from right. Invincible. And and the other one other point I want to make about it so far is it's totally fucking ridiculous, <laughs> which is fine. It's very funny, very comic booky, and and uh, you know what? I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that tone in this Spider Man so far. I'm having a lot of fun with it. The oddly art w- works. Um, it, you know, um, great. Um, some great story. Uh, he's got like a shitload of storylines. He's already started within three three issues, like a bunch of different things that are going on with Peter in his life. Uh, one of the funniest things I thought was that it, what's his name um, from Superior Foes? Uh, not Boom, it Boomerang? Is it um, Boomerang? No, what I don't think, it was, I think it was Boomerang. Uh, am I in Boomerang? Uh, I'll check. Yeah. The main guy in Superior Foes, uh, the D-list fucking villain, uh, he becomes his roommate in this. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, him and Robbie uh, oh, Thompson, it is just boomerang. 
It's Boomerang, right? Okay. Um, him and Robbie Thompson, they start living together because now he's back to Peter Parker broke at the Bugle. Uh, and so basically, him and Robbie Thompson are roommates, and they need a third roommate to basically uh, for the apartment that they're staying in. So they put an ad out. And Boomerang <laughs> picks it up, and then obviously he can't acknowledge that he knows that he's Boomerang because he's not, he's Peter Parker, not fucking Spider Man to him, right? So, yeah. uh, <laughs> so it's hijinks will ensue, anyways. <laughs> so, it, it, I was just waiting for that tie in to Spencer's superior foes, and, and, and there it is. And uh, so, and so I actually yeah. do have a couple questions just with that. So, one of them was one of them we kind of already answered. So, he rolled it yeah. back to Daily Bugle. Yes, he's working. He's working there, but then he gets fired. Like I think in the second issue, so he was working there, and now he's not. I'm not sure how I feel about that. That he's not working there anymore, or that he no, no, that he was at all. Yeah, like I. Well, at the end of Slot's run, though, he was working there as a science uh, advisor or something for their science. Like he wasn't, he actually even taking photos anymore. He okay, was working. Okay. That, that's fine. It's just, I, I, he was basically the person who if, helped write the science articles in the paper, like by fact checking them, like, cause he knows that shit. Like that, that's what he was working at as, as, uh, at the Bugle, not as a photographer. Yeah, I know. I know. But just like, if they were going to roll him back to a point in his past, I would have preferred him at horizon. Okay. But that, but that's what I was trying to say. He's, he's honestly very little is being acknowledged. The only thing that's being acknowledged so far, I think so far uh, from slots run and Spencer's is the fact that uh, doc Ock happened. And because of that, he's paying the price and actually has to go back to school and actually get his degree because they found that found out that they, that he plagiarized his stuff because it turns out the stuff that was written by Otto Octavius is something that he wrote in one of his earlier theses or something like that. So he actually ends up having to go back to school. And wow, when he, goes he back, is wow. Yeah. And guess who's the teacher that he has to go back to school. Uh, uh, Kurt Connors, uh, the lizard. Jesus Christ. Yes. yes. Is it 1997? See, that's what I'm saying. Very comic booky, very wacky, very <laughs> old kind of Spidey type stuff going on here. So very seen I'm, before. Yeah, but I'm enjoying it. That's that's why I let, I don't know. For me, it's working. That's why I want to hear your thoughts. Okay. And that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Please read it so we can talk about it on a future episode, uh, maybe by next time. Uh, but I, uh, yeah, that's I'll leave it at that. So. Check it out. I am actually liking the new direction for the book, and I think this is definitely one of the, one of the on the more uh, right side of things for Spencer as writer. I think this is much more in the camp of stuff I, I like by him. Alrighty. Yeah. Okay. So moving on to my last book, uh, The Cape Fallen. Oh, okay. Yeah, I read the original series. Yeah. Uh, so this is a. It's essentially the, it's essentially the Cape Gaiden. So, in the solicitation, uh, it mentions in the original four issue mini uh, that our lead guy. So, I guess for those who don't know, the Cape was a series um, co written by Joe Hill of Lock and Key fame, um, along with uh, Jason uh, Chiaramella, with art by Zach Howard. Where this guy, um, Eric, he 
when he was younger, he had a cape that had a little like army badge, like a ranger badge sewed onto it from his dad when he was a Marine. And that gave it the ability to fly and some other powers, I think. And so when he put it on, then he would be able to go do fly and whatever. Uh, then he just kind of fucking turns into, a, turns into a burnout asshole, gets the cape on again in like his 30s, and then it goes out and begins flying around and just becoming a horrible villain, destroying all kinds of shit. Like I think he, I think he like drops either like a rabid dog or a bear on somebody's car in that first series. And uh, Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, and uh, so in that original series, uh, there was a point where for three days he just left. And we didn't really know what happened before he came back. Uh, the Fallen uh, aims to tell that story. Uh, it is written by um, Jason Chiamarelli, okay. uh with Zach Howard on art. Uh, no Joe Hill um, contribution that I'm aware of this time. Oh, that's but, disappointing. But the series is still credited as Joe Hill's The Cape. Right. And yeah, uh, from looks of it, it will be, it's going to be, um, it's going to be Eric with the cape, um, hanging out at a cabin that he and his brother went to with their dad as kids. And when he first shows, and when he first shows up there, uh, as an adult, he finds a bunch of people inside and he immediately goes in and says, all right, what are you shit fuckers doing here? You fucking fucks. There's like a string of obscenities. Uh, turns out that an old bully of his from school is there with a bunch of his friends and they're LARPers. Okay. <laughs> and so they convince him to roll up a character right. and he does so. And then joins in with their, uh, LARPing game going to be the next day. But then, he has, but then he has dreams about all the horrible shit he did with the Cape, like say dropping his wife or girlfriend or whatever that he did in that first series. Mm-hmm. And then he wakes up just screaming and I liked the Cape. Not so much into this Mm. because it just kind of feels superfluous. Like it doesn't feel Mm -hmm. necessary. Like like there are some things where you can get like the side story of like, Hey, like for fucking this many days, this person was gone doing whatever. Here's their story. Like that can, that can lead to something. Right. With this, I feel like from what I remember the Cape, I got a full story. Yeah. Like I understood Eric's motivations, I understood all that stuff, and so I didn't need anything else. Going into this and having it be super powered, having it be super powered uh, couch potato asshole with his with his baby blanket tied around his neck versus LARPers. Yeah, not necessary. There's just nothing there to really grab me. Mm-hmm. Like it's still written decently well. Um, like, like uh, it's been a while since I've read that first series, so I don't know how much Joe Hill. So I don't, so I don't really notice any kind of like lack of Joe Hill because I don't remember his influence on that first series. Mm. Uh, artwork is still the same. Um, it has it has got a bit more detailed in the last uh, couple of years, and a bit more like consistent. Like, I, like I look back while we're, while we've been talking about other stuff, I have been. Looking back on like some preview pages of the original Cape, and just seeing some of like the coloring work and uh, all that other stuff, and it has gotten a bit better in this new book. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's just nothing really here for me. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, if you want to check out the original Cape, it's out there. 
The original was very good. I remember yeah. really enjoying that. Yeah. Yeah, the original was solid. A short story Joe Hill wrote and I think adapted for comics. After. Yeah, it was a yeah. it was a one shot and then it came into a four issue mini. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we're reading then. Uh, Nico, have you watched that Sajam yeah. trailer I sent you? Yes. What do you think of it? It's okay. <laughs> I, I, it looks like it's more based on um, the Jeff Johns Shazam. It looks like a little bit, like, yeah. Like, uh, like, yeah. yeah Bertie and I talked about that when we first saw the trailer. Um, it was like, like him being a bit of a prick. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. It's a little bit more me curative in the sense, like that's how the Shazam that Jeff Johns wrote kind of was. Yeah, but but it's. But as opposed to the Jeff Johns thing in the in this, in this trailer, he's still like a good kid, right? Like in the Jeff Johns thing, he is a dickhead throughout, and so him getting the powers makes no sense. Yeah, he, here uh, here he's a dickhead, but he's a dickhead who like still does the right thing, right? Yeah, it, it looks okay. I don't think it looks like I don't think it was like that Titans thing. I I just I don't know how interested I was in this movie to begin with, but uh, it looked okay. I don't think it looks horrible. I don't know. What do you guys think? You think it looks horrible? Uh, I, no, I actually, I, I was I was more optimistic about this than I was expecting to be, just because of the three DC trailers that were mm. released for live action. It's the one that seems to get the gist of what the character is the best. Right. Yeah, I I'm a similar way. Like I. Despite the fact that I haven't read a whole lot of Captain Marvel and Shazam stuff, I am a spiritually I'm a really big fan of the character. Mm. Just, just like concept wise and all that stuff, and this feels like what a Shazam movie should be. Mm-hmm. I also I also like that the villain isn't just the evil version of the character, Black Adam. It's actually their Doctor Savannah. Yeah, because wasn't. Isn't Black the Adam Rock. supposed to be The Rock? The yeah, Rock is Black yeah, Adam yeah. in his right, own right. separate movie before Both. he shows up in this right. one. Right. But no, instead we got Mark Strong, who is fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. As Dr. Savannah, um, Zachary Levi, I think, does a really great job with like acting like a 10-year-old. Mm-hmm. Or I guess actually 13-year-old. Uh, lo- it looks like our two main kid actors are actually decent actors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it looks and, like a substantial. And I like fun. the look of them. I like the look of the suit. I like the look of Shaz- I like the look of Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm more optimistic for this one than I thought I would be based on this trailer. Right. Yeah, like of the three trailers we talked about from San Diego Comic Con, I'm more optimistic than I expected to be after Justice League for Captain Marvel. Or Shazam or whatever. Captain Marvel. I'm just going to call it Captain Yeah, Captain Marvel. Marvel. That's yeah. a fucking name. Um, uh, Aquaman, I still don't give a shit about. Uh, right. And Titans looks awful. <laughs> yep. So yeah. I'm very excited watching two different things for two wildly different reasons. Yeah. Yeah, we forgot to mention, Nico. Uh, Titans is being written by Jeff Johns and the writer of the Joel Schumacher's Batman and Robin. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no. It's astonishing <laughs> how bad it is. And th- is this like his first project after they announced status with the films? Like, or no, it was a sorry. No, he was demoted, wasn't he? In film in the films? Like, no, no uh, Jeff Johns. 
Yeah, because remember they were. No, saying no, he, he, no, he was chief creative that. officer and then stepped He's down. More hands on now. And, and yeah, he, he was chief creative officer, then right. stepped down from that position to head up the the new branch of DC Entertainment material. Right. And is this the first project that he's associated with? Is the Titans one? Uh, no, I think the. I mean, it, Wonder Woman. Would have yeah, been, Wonder or, Woman eighty four. But I, I like, I'm pretty sure he was involved in all of that shit to begin with. Right. Okay. But I, like Jeff Johns has been an executive producer on the CW stuff since the beginning. He has been heavily involved with DC TV and the movie stuff from the jump. It's just that that position, that that like whole announcement thing, was more of a like was more like a, like a, an official shift over to focus on that. Right, right. But he was already kind of doing yeah. that from for a while. When's this? Wait, when's this one supposed to be coming out, Shazam? Uh, next, year? next year, I think. April two thousand nineteen. Okay, it says right here, April. Okay. Yeah. yeah so like next yeah. next year. Yeah. All right. I, 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 I just I don't know how much interest I had in seeing this and in, in film anyways. To be honest, I think it's getting to the point almost for me, other than like with the Marvel films, that it, it's it's reaching that point where it's just way, way too much now. There's way too much superhero stuff. Like I don't watch like any of the shows anymore. Like even the Marvel stuff I follow. No, yeah, I, that's I, fair. I, I didn't watch no, like and it's not that I don't enjoy them. It's just that there's no, it's just, just it, there's fucking infinity shows. of them. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm going to watch Young Justice because it's Young Justice, but mm. yeah, but like there, but Young Justice is not what I'd consider like regular stuff. You're talking about the animated, Young yeah, Justice? yeah, yeah, the Young Justice yeah. cartoon series. I would say that yeah. is not like in the same vein as the other shit we're talking about. Right? No, no. What you're talking about is more in the vein of like Marvel's Spider-Man cartoon or something like that. That the CW, yeah, the end of the Spider Verse, like, the fucking deluge yeah, of teen focused superhero shows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. by the way, I forgot to ask: Do you guys like the new official name Spider Gwen? What's that? I didn't hear all this. Ghost Spider. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Why? Uh, because they're finally going to put her in a TV show, and you can't uh, really market Spider Gwen. Yeah, you can. Because no, because no one knows who Gwen Stacy is, and yeah, that's. Okay, well, here's an idea. Fuck them. Yeah. It's called Spider-Gwen. Yeah. This ghost spider doesn't make any sense to me. We know the character as Spider-Gwen. That is her whole fucking thing. Her book, her brand is Spider-Gwen. Her fucking Venom thing is called Gwenum. Yeah, I gotta agree with Devin here, because, like, the whole idea of that character being created was based off a lot of internet buzz to begin with. So the fact that, I mean, obviously she showed up in that issue like originally that spider verse, but I don't think if it wasn't for people that just were interested in seeing more of that character, I don't think she would have became as big as she did at that time period. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. So if, I, they had, if they had, if they had have introduced her as ghost spider, right. She would have gotten <laughs> shit. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So anywho, um, jumping back a little bit, we're going to talk about Joe Hill, uh, Joe Hill's biggest book, um, lock and key. Has gotten yes. its third fucking series order. Yes, it's official now, though. It's gonna happen. Okay, no, so it, actually, it, it, let it, me re- it, let me rephrase. Third attempt at making a series, first yeah. series order. Yeah. So, for those who haven't been following this, Lock and Key, um, a book written by Joe Hill with art by, art by Gabriel Rodriguez about the Lock family in this house, a bunch of these magic keys. Uh, it has been. Attempted to be made into a series since 2010. 
Yeah, multiple attempts, multiple studios, multiple screenwriters. Yeah, multiple so directors. Yeah, there was one pilot shot, I believe. Yeah, in two thousand. Yeah, in two thousand ten, yeah. Fox gave them a pilot order, uh, and they shot a pilot. They had a cast. They had a whole thing. They shot a pilot, and then Fox didn't even air the pilot and dropped the series. They then started shopping it around a bit more, and it eventually came out that hey, we're going to be doing a lock and key trilogy of films. Uh, Alex Kurtzman and Roberto Orsi they were involved in that. That fell through. Then earlier this year, Hulu gave them a gave them a fucking um, series a pilot order. Uh, the series was going to be uh, the pilot episode was going to be directed by Andy Muschietti, the director of It, the 2017 It, and they had a full cast that got canned. Mm-hmm. And so now Netflix has stepped in and given them a ten episode series order. With that, that will be having a new director, new cast, new scripts, all that shit. Uh, the series will still be being, um, you know, orchestrated and stuff by Hill and Carlton Cruz. And Carlton Cruz, Carlton Cuse, sorry, has kind of been championing the series, trying to get it made. Uh, with Muschietti um, on board for a executive producer decision, executive producer position, so he won't be directing it at all. It'll be a whole new fucking thing, which I just kind of, I just, just got to feel, feel bad for the actors to keep getting it fucking roped into this thing. Right. They just come in. They have this fucking cool idea for a thing. Get involved. Fucking get a pilot order. Get things ready to go. And then it's dead. And then they move on. And then they see the series get picked up elsewhere and they're fucked. I'm looking forward to this, though. Oh, I really absolutely. See this. I really would like to see this. Uh serialized yeah so then moving on to next piece of news uh this is more tv news unfortunately but it's fucking things uh so it was announced not too long ago that coming to the arrowverse was batwoman all right Uh, and we now have a cast for that um ruby rose has been cast to play batwoman that's probably (sighs) a deliberate choice yeah. 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 But like honestly it's a decent choice. Yeah. She's she's okay. I don't think to be honest she's the best actress. Yeah, she's I not mean, the best actress, but she is decent enough for TV, especially for the Arrowverse. I mean, they have fucking yeah. wrestlers on there. Yeah, no you're right. No you're right. And, and it's based on and based on her performance in, and based on her performance in John Wick 2, she is able to Right. Give off a physical presence that lends itself well to stunt coordination. Yeah, and she's also known as one of those like sort of out and out kind of lesbian type female action stars. Actually, that is straight up what it says in this article. <laughs> there you go. I, I'm just I'm, that. That's just what I'm thinking is probably the reason. <laughs> yeah, and this comes off the heels of them announcing that uh, Supergirl will be having the first trans superhero. With Dreamer. Which will be a weird contrast once they do the Supergirl movie. Yeah. I'm looking forward to when they Neo Batgirl it and they have uh, and they just have that character just shoved off to the side and then disappear. Remember that? Remember that trans character? Yeah. From, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
What, and, what steps could they are allowed to take with Neo Batgirl, except like telling her story where like she saw Batman, started doing her own thing. Batman like adulted at her from the nineties, and she said, "You don't understand." And he was just so like harumphed at her, and then was put <laughs> off by her brilliance. You're not my real dad. Like just that's all I could think of now is like bad like kids 90s sitcom tropes with that at this point yeah so just, just every time neo batgirl walks on the stage, just starts playing will smith's parents just don't understand <laughs> anywho we'll run along to comic news actual comic news uh so artist matt wagner um announced on announced some news on facebook that his son had been fired from uh the coloring duties on batman 54 Oh. Yeah, okay. so um Matt Wagner, um he is a Oh, because he's drawing that issue, Matt yeah, Wagner. Yeah, Matt Wagner, right, right, he right. is a penciler for the upcoming Batman issue fifty four, and he was working with his son, Brennan Wagner. Uh Wag uh, Brennan is established in the industry himself. He's worked on a few books, um, a couple with his dad, uh specifically the Mage series. Right, I remember that being a thing. Yeah. And yeah, uh, so the two of them were working on this book together, um, and it was like it was like they were about, they Brennan was just about done with the book before um, Wagner received word from the Batman group editor that his that his coloring wasn't fit wasn't a fit for the book and that he would be and that he was going to be let go. Mm-hmm. And Wag and Matt Wagner, the elder Wagner, announced all this on Facebook. I guess he is upset about this. Well, yeah, it's his kid. Yeah, but to be fair, from what I heard, that he was bringing him on certain projects prior to this, like things like I think he did with Shadow and shit, or Grendel, or the Dynamite books, like things where maybe the coloring, because he's Matt Wagner, and what if he brought his son along with him, was not as much of an issue you know what i mean but, yeah, DC, but, but like, but like they i might have a standard i've, I've seen like, i've seen some of his coloring work and like it's not terrible it's i don't think it's, yeah no i don't think it's I, I i can't speak to whether or not it was terrible but maybe in dc's eyes it wasn't their standard of a professional colorist right but it's, it's weird because um because like according to this according to this whole thing um jamie s rich like i said batman group editor went to bat for the team um, and, oh, really? The yeah. editor did. Okay. And according to and according to Wagner, um, Tom King was also a fan of the book. Was also a fan of the work they were doing. Right. Yeah. According to according to uh, Wagner, uh, quote Tom script uh, Tom script is a heartfelt look at a father and son relationship. And rather than capitalize on the fact that they had, had that they had a celebrated father son art team on board for the issue, DC elected to fire the artist's colorist slash son for producing distinctive work. Mm-hmm. Needless to say, I thought Brennan was doing a fantastic job, and think this is a terribly shoddy way to treat not only him. This would have been this would have been his first full length job for them, but also me, one of their longtime and supposedly respected creators. Regrettably, yeah, I'm now sorry I ever agreed to this gig in the first place because this is just fucking bullshit. Jason doesn't respect his creators. Of course, yeah. he does. They're a comic company. Yeah. I, I don't know. To be honest, like I'm somewhere in between because if they didn't think it was up to snuff. I'm sorry, but even though he's your, it's his son, I get it. But that's you know you got to understand when you're bringing you're involving family, sometimes that things like that have uh, you know it could happen, right? Like 
it's a business still. So if they didn't actually think it was good enough, there, there, there are some uh, examples of his work. Yeah. So here's the thing. I think he did. I think he's a good colorist. I, I don't think. Yeah, no, you're right. I'm looking at it right now. It look bad. I just, I can't, you know, I, I just, I'm just saying I, 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 a lot could be said for that. You know what I mean? Like it, it could go either way. I don't, I, it's yeah, yeah, messy. Like, here's the thing. If, like these guys want to make the best fucking book they can. Like 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 yeah, fucking Matt Wagner aside. Like like Matt Wagner, he has his potential thing, but Tom King and the editor were both like, yeah, this is fucking good. If the editor thought it was fine, then yeah, they should have But I then but then according I to him, the powers that be, as he put it, just said, nah. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. If it looked shitty or it was just it's funny though because Matt Wagner, it's not like he even does regular DC work anymore. So like that's I can see where he would get pissed off because like, hey, listen, I came over here to do a favor for you guys because probably Tom King or someone asked him, hey, you want to come do a couple issues? And that and now they're kicking his fucking son off the book. We obviously requested colored his work, right? Yeah. So yeah, no, I I, I guess I see where he's coming. From that it's just so. Yeah. Moving on to the next piece of news, DC has revealed the new look for the Red Hood. Who gives a shit? Apparently, people. <laughs> All right. So yeah. So um, here is, is is it killed? Is it dead? Nope. Oh, I, what the fuck? This is the only thing I will say as a positive <laughs> for this look. He is at least wearing a fucking hood. Uh, yeah. That <laughs> the rest it of it though. Like, dead man. Do you remember a game called Brink? Yes. That's what this looks like. <laughs> Yeah, so um, no comment. We, we can't really we can't really show it to you because with the stuff, but yeah, it is yeah. Uh, Jason Todd, like fucking crew cut haircut with his little fucking domino mask on, wearing like a fucking paintball face guard with a hooded sleeveless with a hooded vest with fucking a katana and crowbar on his back. And just fucking straps. Oh, they also have a new logo on his chest, which is just his mask. Oh, fuck. Or actually, more appropriately, it's the Nightwing mask. You know. What you do. Jason Todd's the kind of guy who would put that. Who the, who the fuck designed this? <laughs> oh man yeah those boots are fucking god awful yeah so it says uh, art by Pete Woods for the upcoming issue 26 which is apparently when the when the new outfit will be coming out but like fuck me this yeah that looks bad like really bad. Uh, the crowbar is the thing I first noticed in this image. Yeah. Just. Yeah. Like uh, the boots and the crowbar, he looks kind of like a, a sticky bandits from Home Alone or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he looks like a, he looks like a distaff member of the Wrecking Crew. <laughs> yeah, that's that's more accurate. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. 
So, moving on to our next piece of news. So, DC uh, was scheduled to release a hardcover collection of a bunch of old Captain Marvel books uh, in Shazam! The Monster Society of Evil Deluxe Edition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it would be a hardcover thing that um cap that uh had the tw- had a, that a twenty four chapter um a twenty four chapter run of the series that introduced Mister Mind, all kinds of shit, uh, and they pulled that uh, over content concerns. Yeah, because this is a book from the forties. Yeah, it ha ha punch those Mexicans. <laughs> uh, it's uh it's a little mm. yeah. I'm not sure if I should read this. I think it's because of the depiction of black people, right? Um, black and Asian. Okay, right. Yeah, so they have an image yeah. of a black guy, and it is, you know, black skin, black arms, and so Homer Simpson the, mouth. Yeah, so the the Sambo image. Yeah. Yeah, I like the spirit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the then, image that, because of American treatment in the 40s, that's what Japan thought all black people looked like. Until very recently. <laughs> yeah. And then there is the Japanese people. Yeah, you can see in Tezuka's Who have that. jagged teeth and slanted eyes with thick-rimmed glasses. Yeah. And one of them says, and I'm just going to read this, and I'm probably going to get a lot of shit for it if anybody listened to this, but also the Tokyo Torture Temple, the Jap Japam in the Back Club, etc., just wow. Yeah, I can understand why they didn't the movie coming out and everything, but and I have no interest in reading this anyway, so I could give a shit. Yeah, but, but like, it's one of those things that it's because it's of the time. It's one of those things where if they were going to release it, they should probably have prefaced that by saying at the start of the book, you know what I mean? Like this is, yeah, like this comes from the forties. Everything's fucked. Right. I'm always on the side of the content exists and uh, you know, it may not be right. What, what what happened, but I don't know. Yeah. So instead of just burying the thing, it should be and like properly contextualized. Like all those people who for some reason want to see song of the South. Yeah, yeah, you release right. it, and then at the front there's like a foreword yeah. by like somebody at the company, and it just says, "Hi, hi." You know, you know, you know social climate changes, and back in the '40s, things were right. fucked. Yeah, with less than flattering depictions of people of Asian and African American descent. So, know that going in. Here is the book as it was. We're sorry for the past. Yeah, like I remember they were talking about it for what they wanted. Is it uh, Huckleberry Finn or Tom Sawyer or one of those books where they use the... Yeah, it was Huckleberry Finn. Yeah, it was... Right, um, right. It was N-Word Tom or something? Right, right. Jim, I think Jack or something like that. Something like that. So so that was, I remember... In Pleasantville, they called him the slave. I remember they started to remove it from schools a little while ago because because of that. But a lot of people pointed out and said, hey, listen, this is a, an important piece of literature from back then. Like, I don't think it's right that you remove yeah, it. But, but I, I mean, I, I understand that the way things change because absolutely. Like, you can say um, Birth of a Nation is an important piece of cinema. Doesn't mean like that's a mindset anyone should be exposed to anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But I get both sides. I, I, I Usually I, I, I go on the other side of it, but I, I understand. And we shouldn't continue to put that stuff yeah, out there like, sometimes. Like, like, just, like don't just have it, it out yeah, there yeah. as it is. Like, contextualize it a bit. 
Yeah. No, I. But, I, but yeah, um, that's... Well, one of the like with like things being pulled. Um, th- there was this thing I saw where it was like uh, it was like a Facebook post of somebody saying of somebody posting like like an article that was um, to kill a mockingbird has been pulled from schools for making people too uncomfortable. And the first comment, all caps. That's the fucking point of the book. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think Captain Marvel existed to make people. No, it did not. <laughs> no. But 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 uh, and yeah, like if they were going to release stuff, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they like reprint like the fucking more recent stuff, like the Jeff Smith run or that like versus the Monster yeah. Society of Evil, like the or well, whatever I the mean, fuck it was. By that same, I think to some extent that's like more recent stuff can seem similar enough to what they're posting now, but is better. So DC doesn't want you to think about it. Uh, kind of like how DC still has not released the Gail Simone birds of prey run. Yeah. But because, yeah, but like they don't have a Shazam book right now. They haven't had a Shazam book in it, like seven years. This also actually hasn't been the first time that they pulled this book. This has happened more than once. I read this is this specific um, series this one it, it's happened more than once but I think because there's more eyes than ever on it because of the movie coming out it's maybe not the best book you want yeah, to have yeah that might be like yeah. a time they, they, they didn't want they have, yeah I, I agree with their they might release the decision they might release it after the movie if it does well but before the movie that's going to be no. a lot of negative buzz right. they don't want yeah yeah it, I it, agree with their decision the, 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 search traffic, if, uh, the search traffic is going to be Shazam racism yeah, it'd be kind of like if in release before the release of the Marvel Captain Marvel movie Dead Man, they did a special anniversary release of uh, Avengers Two Hundred. <laughs> yeah, can you imagine? Can you fucking imagine? Unfortunately, I can. But uh. Uh, anywho, moving on to our final piece of news. DC is doing a new fucking Death of Superman book. What? Yup. I didn't fucking hear this. <laughs> well, you see, Nico. I know there's uh, an animated movie. No, they, that, that's, that's the reason. Because oh, dead, because this is the thing, Nico. They've already technically done Death of Superman once when they made when DC Animated made Superman Doomsday, yeah. which is not necessarily great. But that it's was the first terrible. one, I believe. Was it not? Wasn't no, it their it first, was first one? It was one of their early ones. Yeah. Oh, okay. But um, they're doing this again because. Get this, Nico. They want to be book loyal. <laughs> Listen, as someone who read uh, that book when it actually came out when I was younger, off the stands, they don't need to retell this story. They <laughs> do not. <laughs> like, uh, like, in my opinion. We don't need to see... I don't need to see Funeral for a Friend. I'm sorry. Yeah, we, we, don't need, <laughs> we don't need to have an animated scene where Doomsday sees a professional wrestling match and decides, I'm going to go there. We don't need to see Doomsday punch Booster Gold into space like a punk. <laughs> so anyway, last week, uh, DC Comics announced they'll be having a new digital first comic series called The Death of Superman. Uh, that's going to be released as a tie-in to the movie. Uh, okay. Uh, the first chapter is available, and it will be a excuse me a twelve issue series. Um, that will be told. That will be released weekly. So, probably at the time we're recording this, a second issue is out. Does it say who is writing it? Uh, Luis Simonson, apparently a fan favorite writer. 
No. Okay. Uh, with artwork uh, by um, Cat Stags, Joel Ojeda, Laura Laura Braga, and many more. Okay. Doesn't sound like it's top talent then. Yeah. So uh, the Superman, uh, the first part of the story is meant to be a prequel, kind of, to the movie. Right. Uh, right. With, it's meant to like explain why this is stupid. Yeah. With, yeah. With the uh, with the st- with the um, storytelling with the story taking place a couple hours before Superman fights Doomsday. Yeah. So and what I'm assuming it's going to be. So what I'm assuming it's going to be. Yeah. So what I'm assuming this is going to be is it is going to be <laughs> Superman doing Superman stuff, but with this air of unearned importance around it because we know that he's going to go fight somebody, and somehow they know it too. Listen. All I'm in it for is I want to see Reign of the Superman again. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see Superboy show up in his badass leather jacket. Well, you're going to get that. <laughs> Did you guys? They're, they've already announced Reign of the Superman as a sequel to this. Yeah, they did. Of the DC animated movies. Right. Because it's, it's supposed to be a trilogy or something, right? Like, yeah. Did you guys ever see the... Uh, did you guys ever watch The Death and Return of Superman, that Max yes, Landis thing? we've talked about this several times. <laughs> hey, did Nico see it? I don't know if I've ever... No, I did Nico not. No, no, I did. I've heard of it. I'm aware of it. Yeah, I've never actually watched it, no. Yeah. It's, it's, it it's a bit ruined now that Max Landis has uh, kind of been accused of being like a sex pervert, like everyone has. Right. But... Yeah, it still it holds up. Oh, ha- I didn't even know that was he. I didn't course, know that. Of course, he fucking yeah, was. Unfortunately. Uh, okay. But, uh, okay, I've never heard of this person, Dead Man, but apparently this is being ri- the this is being written by someone named Louise Simonson. Yeah, I mentioned that earlier. Okay. Yeah, Walt's Walt's uh, wife. Walt Simonson's wife. Oh fuck, man! I just bought Superman American Alien not too long ago. Ah, I gotta get it off my shelf now. Yeah, so uh, Louise Simonson, uh, she worked on Power Pack, X Factor, New Mutants, uh, and Steel. Steel. Yeah. That that must be why they brought her in. It's like, oh, you worked on the one Superman air character people actually liked. Maybe you can somehow write this in a way that people won't hate it. Well, she also actually wrote Superman at one point. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Superman, the Man of Steel. Yeah, I think it was during the Triangle years. <laughs> That's why they're called back then. That's uh, that was when there was, I think, alternating Superman books. That Man of Steel, Superman, and uh, I think there was one more Adventures of or something like that. I've well, heard then. good things about the Man of Steel book because John Byrne kind of defined what would yep. be the modern Superman origin, which is what they used for Superman the animated series. Yeah, but. Mm-hmm. I haven't read it yet. Anyway, I'm really tired. Yeah. That's going to do for this week. Okay. <laughs> Wait, one more thing. Yes. Uh, Hasbro has confirmed that their that their Power Rangers movie is going to be a sequel to the 2017 film. Hmm. Not really a comics thing, but sure. It oh, is. There's comics. It's Power Rangers related. Power Rangers. <laughs> yeah, they're Power Rangers comics, but it's not like the, it's like the Power Rangers. It's not like saying, hey, the next film could be a sequel to the comics. <laughs> that would be insane, but yeah, that yeah, just, just like fucking the next episode. The, the movie is dealing with the fallout of Shattered Grid. It's just, just like it starts it starts with the fucking with the mighty with the Mighty Morphin team from the from the movie, just going like, ah, well, they finally got all the Rangers back to their home dimensions and times. As there's just a dead body of Jason on the fucking floor uh, of Tommy on the floor as the new Tommy comes in. Yeah. Oh, well, though, speaking of comics things, uh, have we talked about that weird graphic novel coming out in, on the show? 
Uh, which one was that? The one I sent you, sent you about Tommy just doing shit in the future? Uh, no, we have not. <laughs> next time. Yeah, next time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, thank you all for joining us. We'll be back in two weeks' time with episode of the SDORPROTS.com Conquer Podcast. In between now and then, though, we got shit coming out. I don't fucking know. Still, I'm dead. I'm Birdie. I'm Nico, and I'm about to watch Avatar. We will see you guys next time. <laughs> Good for you.